location. We uh, we sparked one up on uh, New Year's Eve. We put filled up that hole. Oh, the actual ho- real oh, my God. rolling paper that came with Big Bamboo? That was the first time I really went out. We're, we're live right now, so we'll just let everybody know we're talking about Cheech and Chong's album, <laughs> Big Bamboo, that actually <laughs> came with a real rolling paper. Yeah, huge. Just across the, I think it was across the double, the, the double album. Dude, you have a flip phone. Respect. I do. Respect. I do. I do. I do. stepped out. <laughs> OTG, brother. Yeah, you figured yeah. it out. <laughs> Create less data. Yeah. That's, that's my motto. Is that what it is? Yeah. Well, is- two things. One, um... Your phone is always fucking with you. It's yeah. it's notifying and you know yeah. and I just didn't want to be a part of that anymore. I wanted to, you know, be a little more connected to life outside. You can still call people. Could, well, yeah. this is so this is actually a new flip phone from um, T-Mobile Alcatel and it it has Kai OS which is so it's not really a trackable OS uh, although Google put an oh, investment into Oh, you're serious about this. Oh, I'm very serious about it. Okay. Yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. And you know, so all the apps are all they're all tracking you. They're all uh-huh. doing all kinds of shit. Uh, but initially, really, just to not be, you know, a slave to this thing. Yeah. Uh, and the further I got into it, the more I liked it. Uh, and you don't really need it. Now, I have a device with me that's off. This works as a hotspot. So I can turn it into a hotspot if I really, really, really needed to do something. But what do you need? Right. Text, phone call. Right. And if there's something that I really need to look up, you just turn around and say, hey, can someone Google this for me? And they do it. There's always someone around. Are you texting on that thing? Yeah. Yeah. Do T9? Is that what you're doing? They have a, uh, it's like a T9. It's a little bit better. It's their their version of predictive texting. Um, yeah. It's a, <laughs> I really am serious about it. Well, you should be. Yeah. I mean, Everyone it, should be. Yeah. The pro- I mean, we have all this cool shit, all this great technology, but the business model fucked us all. Mm-hmm. I mean- Six years ago, I had the first Amazon Echo. I'm like, this is groundbreaking. Uh, Dvorak, my, my co-host, he was laughing at me. He's like, why would you bring a spy device into your house? I said, Look, I'm just testing this out. If it had an Apple logo on it, everyone would be losing their shit right now, but it didn't. And I loved it. Hooked it up to the lights and all that stuff going. And then as I started to understand what it was really doing and what it's really communicating, all these things, right down to like your Roku remote, you pick that up. It's communicating with home base. Mm-hmm. So all this stuff, so I got rid of all of it. Well, Just got rid of it. Um, you know, I was listening to one of Sam Harris's podcasts, and uh, he was talking with someone that, that said, and they had a really good, great quote, that we didn't realize that our data was something valuable right we, we didn't realize it was a commodity and it was being sold not just a a, a commodity that's kind of value but insanely valuable. extremely yeah what, that's extremely. what where facebook makes all their money that's where google makes all their money everybody yeah everybody they make it from your data and you never really understood what you were doing when you signed off to give that data away yep. when you sign the terms of agreements and you're like yeah 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 whatever and nobody reads through that shit you know what's even more egregious is um there's a company called plaid p-l-a-i-d yes. and just sold the visa for i think four or five billion dollars and it's the um the financial back end or kind of like a bridge between all these apps that can do stuff with your bank account and your bank account so instead of so if you have an app like uh, venmo or Ah oh, shit! Uh, I you know, name any payment cash app. app. I didn't want to disparage anyone who might be advertising on your show. It but yeah, it's ca- okay. Cash app, too. PayPal. Uh, well, does PayPal do it? Uh, PayPal has their own system, but what you do is you sign up and you literally give this app your 
username and log into your bank account instead of an API or some kind of programming interface just lets the app talk to your bank account and put money in take it out it can do anything it in fact it is just like screen screen scraping it's going it can go through anything that's connected to your bank account it can look at and they do and and credit karma another great a great uh, example of it and they are just sucking out all of your information when you pay your bills who you pay first why you know if if you have you know what your pattern is of uh, yeah. of credit card payment moving stuff around so you think you're just using it as a as a utility but they're tracking your fucking life Dude, you're, you're really concerned about this. this is, <laughs> well, everybody will get the world they deserve, you know, yeah. so I'm trying to protect myself and people I love. Also, you know, yeah. the drone can't target me that easily with this, you know, so <laughs> protecting you, Joe. Thank you. <laughs> it, it seems somewhat inevitable, right, that this connection that we have to technology gets deeper and deeper into our lives. But mm-hmm. that what, what disturbs me is that there are these giant corporations that are not just profiting off of our connection, but then they're using that money and that influence to affect a lot of things in our culture. Well, they're enslaving you. Yeah. So Credit Karma is a great example, uh, which also just sold for $7 billion. It was literally um, changing your behavior to get a higher credit score. And this credit score isn't really even an official credit score. It's the one that they kind of made up. So they'll say, pay your utilities on time. Then we'll raise your credit score. Your credit score is higher. Now we can lend you this money. You see, so they're training people to do certain things like – um, the Progressive app for insurance, it's training you to drive in a quote-unquote responsible manner because you get discounts if you, you know, don't brake too hard, if you're not accelerating, if you're not breaking speed limits, etc. Is it hooked up to the GPS? So it knows, oh, yeah. So oh, it yeah. knows your speeds and everything oh, yeah. that's monitoring it? Everything. Your braking velocity, all oh, of that God. shit. Oh, yeah. So <laughs> they take that into consideration every month? When that's you- the whole point. The point is to train the user to be a good fiscally good person and whatever you'll do that, that means. just because you want to save some money well of course everyone does that and you're going right. to be you're going to be forced into it like i just got um health insurance new health insurance and they're oh download the app and if you download the app we'll give you a break why because they're going to tell me to do things this app is saying you know now it's small things but it'll start telling you stand up you know move around and if <laughs> and if you follow it if you follow it then you'll get a discount so yeah. we're really really becoming enslaved that way that's a, that is definitely a way to look at it, it, it I, that's the business model yeah and, and it, it gets more and more immersive yeah yeah uh, oh yeah yeah, I, did, I didn't know the Progressive's app does that. That's all of them do, Joe. All of them. The do. insurance company oh, apps. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. I mean, that that would be the best way to figure out if you're actually a good driver, or if you're just some dickhead who gets lucky. Maybe. Well, yeah, I mean, that's kind of the the marketing. It's like yeah. you know, if you're a good guy, don't worry about it. But they keep pushing. <laughs> they keep pushing. You know, they'll just keep right. telling you. And you don't have to have the app active for that to be tracked or monitored. That was one of the grossest arguments I heard after the whole uh, Snowden thing. Mm-hmm. Like, wh- what do you care if you're not breaking the law? That's changing a little bit. I have a 29-year-old daughter, and she definitely had that uh, that mindset, and her friends did. But it's changing. You know, now it's like, okay, we totally get it. They're tracking all of our shit. So we're going to – might not use this or we'll leave the phone at home. There's a little bit of that creeping in. But in general – it's like crack, you know. How can you yeah. do with? It? It's not easy. It's. I mean, this this phone. It's sometimes like oh, I could, but no. It's like, and I right. just have to stand back and go. 
Do I really need to have this information right at this very moment? Do I really need to do this? No. And typically, no. Typically, yeah. No. When I feel any sort of anxiety or boredom, I just grab the phone. It's just instantly my sure. little my little soothing mm-hmm. blanket or my little teething thing. Absolutely. You know? It's and, my little and binky. I, and, and I play a game with myself. <laughs> you know, I'll give myself points as I'm driving around. It's like person walking on the street holding the phone in their hand, one point. You don't need uh, to actually hold the phone in your hand. And women, holy crap. They got two phones sometimes with a little, you know, little button plug so it doesn't fall off. They got their bag. Maybe they got their kid or a stroller. And so, pam, pam, pam. They're doing all – and just – they're all over the place all the time. So it's one point for just holding it. Two, if you're walking and doing something. I see a lot of that. How many points if you have a kid and you're walking and looking at your phone? That seems like that would be a it's bonus the, it's point. The be- if you're in the car, <laughs> 10 points. <laughs> If you're walking with your kid on the phone, it's five points. Oh. And you can hit 100 within five minutes. It's, it's crazy. It's zombies. Yeah. When you start to really pay attention to it. When you're above people, I have a truck, and I want to look down mm-hmm. from my truck. You can see people texting. And it's oh, yeah. stunning yeah. how many people are on the highway texting at the same time. Going, I got rear-ended um, uh, with my truck, say, maybe two months ago. Uh, in Austin, you know, right after mm-hmm. a stoplight, and I was in the left-hand lane. I was going to turn left. Bam! Full speed. It was maybe 30, 35 miles an hour. You know, the girl's airbags deployed. She's like, I'm like, and if I was in the, in the truck. I'm like, right. yeah, check really everyone okay? It. Yeah, I get out. And the whole front end is destroyed. She's dazed. I'm like, so I'm trying to pry the door open. Ugh. And yeah, there I see the phone on the floor, still open. Yeah. And then her excuse was, well, my brake didn't work. Yeah, I got uh, it. My brake didn't work. Has <laughs> that ever happened? <laughs> my yeah. brakes didn't work. I got work. rear-ended the same thing. Uh, but, there was a slowdown on the right lane, and mm-hmm. some, some guy plowed right into me. And I asked the cops. I said, you know, I said, oh, this is five times, five times a day. Yeah, I'm sure. It's crazy. Yeah, it, it's, it's weird that that sort of snuck up on us. That there's this thing that's incre- incredibly addictive. Um, uh, I was uh, with my family uh, this past weekend in Dallas, and we're at this event. As we're walking through this crowd, I'm like, look how many people are on their phones. This is yeah. crazy. Like, everyone. It's, it was just you're, you're going through the crowd of the store, and everyone is just looking at their phone. Just, yeah. It's like a zombie movie. They don't know they're zombies yet. Truly is a zombie apocalypse. Yeah. Truly. Yeah. In the weirdest way. I mean, it gives you a little bit of reward. Every now and then someone has a funny meme and you're like, ha, ah, ah, ha, ah. Well, that's, that's yeah. what Silicon Valley figured out is that the Pavlovian response and the, you know, all the, all the brain impulses you get from a like or a, or a, you know, a retweet or whatever it is, or even just something just blip. Oh, yeah. Ooh, and we have different sounds. Bling, blong, all this stuff. Before we go any further, we mm-hmm. should give you credit. You're the reason why all this started. You are the original podfather. The, the legitimate one. Like, if you want, there's a lot of people claiming that. Yeah. You're the guy who made the very first podcast. You even came up with the name of it, right? No, I didn't come up with who the name. With, did, who came up with the name of it? Well, let me go back to, to the beginning because actually the technology of podcasting was invented in 2000. So before anyone was podcasting, before there was an iPod, interestingly. Hmm. Um, I was living in Amsterdam at the time. And um, I was working with Dave Weiner, who, had, who really invented blogging, and he had created this RSS syndication format. And he had software where you could blog and then an aggregator, kind of like you know, Google Reader at the time, and you could you know, read blogs. And it was kind of like a two-way communication thing. It was interesting, and a lot of people were starting to use it. And in Amsterdam, they had cable modems rolled out 
everywhere. And cable modems were sold at the time as always on internet. It wasn't fast. It was just fucking on. You didn't have to dial in, which was, oh my God, this is great. You know, th- this was a huge improvement. You didn't mm. have to kick someone off the phone line, right. all of that. Yeah. Um, so the, um, sorry, the, um, the, the experience of multimedia was shit. Like you wanted to hear a song or play a video. It was like, click, wait, 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 download, wait. You know, it would probably download and then open up a, some kind of player. And then it was not an experience. There was nothing, nothing there that made sense. So, and I always wanted to broadcast on the internet. That's always been my thing from the moment I saw it. Um, so I came up with this concept of the last yard. So what if you had a little thing running on your computer in the background that would know if there's something you wanted? Let's just forget the how it knows part. Um, it would download it and it would tell you that there was something new when it already had it on its local hard drive. So you remove the whole wait experience because you don't know. You don't know that this computer has been downloading something you've wanted. It just tells you, oh, it's here, which is, you know, it's not abnormal in media. You know, the six o'clock news, most of it's produced before the actual broadcast. So um, I took this idea to Dave and I said, we need to come up with something that can download a media file that I program somehow, like this is going to show up. And then it downloads it and only tells me when it's there and I can click on it and it plays immediately. And it, it took some convincing. He didn't exactly understand what I was saying. He probably thought, fucking MTV guy, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> In fact, that's exactly what he thought. <laughs> and, uh, uh, and then I actually demonstrated to him what I wanted to do in his own software. And he said, okay, I'm going to do this, but only on the condition you never, ever, ever fucking use my software again because that was horrible what you just did. And so we created the enclosure element in RSS. And so for two years, we were doing back and forth, you know, like movie files and stuff and, oh, click, and it would open up and the experience was good until I saw my first iPod friend of mine said, oh, look at this. I'm like, oh, this is the, the, the white one with the big click, 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 click the big wheel one. on it. That was a good one, right? They got hot yeah. you know, after a while, like big hard drive. And yeah. I looked at it and went, this is not a, a, a digital Walkman. This is a fucking radio receiver. Because I had one. I had a Sony AM radio tra- re- receiver, which is, you know, little solid state thing. I'm like, this is a radio. This, this can receive radio programming. And so I set about, again, with my fantastic programming skills, uh, to make a a little application, and you, the, the iPod at the time you still had to sync it to iTunes. That's how you got music onto it back in the day, um, and so you could put a, a an MP3 file into a blog post, basically. But it was a special attachment, really. And so this program would just be looking all the time: is there something new? Is there something new? Oh, there's something new. Download it, then click trip it so that it's synchronized to the iPod, and it worked. Now, not being a programmer, um, actually, Kevin Marks, a guy who was working at Apple, sent me a version of the script that actually worked. That was helpful. And I set about creating a radio show, which we didn't have the name podcast yet. Um, and I wanted to be able to talk to developers, software developers, who could create receivers. So you know, we had um, iPodder, iPodder X, uh, iPodder Lemon, all, the, all these different applications, which kind of did the same thing. And because I was talking to developers, I called it the daily source code. So I did every day, and source code is kind of what the developers work in. And I was really talking to them, like, okay, well, the guys over in New Zealand, they, you know, they've created this version of the app, and it's really working well. And we discovered all kinds of crazy shit, like, 
you subscribe to a feed um, uh, because no one had thought it through. It would try and download you know, everything you had in that feed all at once. So I was trying to download 50 episodes. And we still had kind of always on internet. So pfft, everything would crunch and die. And this just kept building and building. And other people started doing these. And we called them soliloquies and little bundles of joy and all kinds of really dumb names. And the, uh, Danny Gregoire, the guy who was just listening, he said, oh, this, this, this is a podcast. And the name stuck. Now, Ben Hammersley from The Guardian years earlier had actually used the term podcast uh, somewhere in an article, which there was no podcasting at the time, but he envisioned that and and called it podcast. So So he's the guy. So he's the guy who named it. He used the term, but Mm. I would say Danny Gregoire really named what we were doing at the time. So, so. And that's when I didn't name myself the pod father, but people started calling me that. Um, and it just grew from there. And that went really fast. Before I knew it, the BBC was calling and the interviews here and there. I'm like, holy shit, something's blowing up here. Yeah. And it wasn't until uh, the, the big moment was I got a call from Steve Jobs. And uh, he says, uh, can you, well, actually, it was Eddie Q, you know, who's a big man on campus there now. He says, can you meet with Steve? I'm like, oh, let me check my calendar. <laughs> Fuck yeah. So it was in, uh, where's the D3 conference? Like San Diego, I think. Um, went there, and I met with him for an hour. And it was, and, wow. and I had, I've met a lot of interesting people. He's a people. busy dude. My my best meeting to date had been Quincy Jones, where I got drunk with him for an hour Whoa. on a live radio show. Oh, yeah, that was fantastic. Um, and so here's Steve Jobs in the flesh. Now, the first thing I notice is he's got a weird lisp that I'd not really heard before. Really? Yeah. It's like, well, okay. So he hides it when he does those? Maybe maybe when he's projecting, yeah. just, but he was much more personable. And it's just the two of us. But first, he's, he's mad. He's fucking pissed off. And he's yelling about, they fucked up Wi-Fi. And, and I learned later <laughs> that his, uh, his plan always for the iPhone was to not be a cell phone, but to use Wi-Fi networks around the world. And, Whoa. Yeah. And because you know, Cisco or whoever had changed the, the way Wi-Fi works and the way the authentication works, that it really wouldn't be that seamless. But that was his, his vision. And, you know, so I, I actually I thought to myself, dude, you should probably calm down. That's going to make you sick. <laughs> um, and then he was talking about, oh, no, Eddie Q says, uh, yeah, you know, the RAA called and uh, they got a problem with uh, with how we're able to, um, you know, record sounds on the Mac, you know, breaking any kind of encryption. And I said, oh, yeah, that's actually kind of important because in order to record stuff, we're using like Audio Hijack Pro and all these all these different kinds of tools. And I said, Ma, I hope hope they don't do that because it's kind of important for production. And Steve went, Fuck it, tell them to fuck themselves. This is tools our guys need. And I'm like, well, okay. <laughs> and then he said, Adam, I'd like to put podcasting in iTunes. Are you okay with that? <laughs> I'm like, Are you kidding me? Yes, I'll give you my directory. I built a directory of podcasts. I'll give you that to start it off. Absolutely. And then. Uh, uh, it was kind of funny. So then, maybe Wait, what year was this? Two thousand four, something like that. I think yeah, two thousand four, two thousand five time frame. And then uh, Jamie, maybe you can find it if you want. It's a pretty funny video. So he announces this on stage, playing my my podcast where I just rail on the Mac. It's, if, <laughs> if you can take a look. It's, it's pretty funny. It's like it's the one video that that really legitimizes me. Uh, in the world of podcasting, thank you, Steve. I really appreciate it. Oh yeah, you got you got to check this out. This is hilarious. Stuff for 
Well, I, you, could, you could try to sell podcasts, but the whole phenomenon is so great, it's free. Okay. And I think what we're going to see is an advertising-supported model emerge just like free radio. Here's another. Adam Curry is uh, one of the guys that invented podcasting. And uh, he has a podcast called The Daily Source. Let me go ahead and subscribe to that. And uh, we can go listen to his latest one. You know, just click What's on it. your daily source code? Show number 180. <laughs> Something remarkable is happening here. Radio is springing free of the regulated gatekeepers who've managed what you can hear since radio was invented. It's jumping into the hands of anyone at all with something or nothing to say. With $16 million worth of airplanes strapped to my ass, and the next generation radio content in my ears, we don't need no stinking I like to think I'm flying into the future. Podcasting is Adam Curry. That's right, it's show number 180, and it's Friday, everybody. Thank God. I've actually had to restart the show three times. My Mac has been acting up like a motherfucker. I don't know what's going on. I think it's uh, something to do with uh, the file system. Okay. <laughs> he knew exactly what he was doing, bro. I'm telling you. He, he knew exactly. Oh, yeah. He had to. I'm oh, sure he, he knew wouldn't what he play was doing. a clip that he didn't know. I love Kara Swisher. <laughs> with her mouth just like, oh, yeah, what's That's happening? hilarious. And then um, he, he sent me an email later, and he said, I'm going to introduce you to um, uh, some people in venture capital, uh, Kleiner Perkins, Sequoia Capital, which I kind of took as the thank you. Um, and I went on to raise you know, a lot of money from those companies to build my uh, podcast network. What, what was the first, what, like, what year was your first podcast? The first one that you released? Well, so that was 2003, I guess. 2003, wow. So you, did, what was going on before you? Was there anything? Was there any other? Well, people have been putting, uh, well, we had real uh, video and real, real audio, audio, if you remember. Oh, right. So that I was kind of like that. the low, yeah. low grade uh, streaming stuff. And, um, but this really made, um, it did two things. I mean, it solved the bandwidth problem for downloading. That was the first. And now that's no longer an issue, of course. So, but it, it um, put the subscription model into place. Mm -hmm. And because uh, neither I or Dave Weiner have ever patented any of this it's completely free and open so no one owns it and that was that was the mission i'm very proud of that that's beautiful because you know otherwise if someone you know, like you know spotify is now trying to buy podcasting uh by buying up all these networks and they'll make it exclusive and granted they're trying to switch from a music company to an audio company but ultimately look at all the applications that are out there that are really good people love them you know the apple uh, podcast app. I use Overcast. I like that a lot. There's you know tons of different ones, and it's all because there's an open standard that no one can control. And Silicon Valley loves controlling shit. In fact, Apple loves controlling shit. This is one of the few things Apple has done that isn't a, a walled garden locked into Apple stuff. It's interesting because they're not even monetizing it. No, yeah. um, and you know they, they they have many different ways they could do stuff or they could help, but. Um, I don't know why. I, I don't know why they're not. Um, I think it's an oversight. I think they thought for the longest time that it was just this thing that people did that was no big deal. And mm. then it's become so enormous, but they still have this, mo this model that they're operating under. That it's just they're just aggregating. Could be. I mean, and what was interesting is when they started off, they immediately started to highlight uh, NPR programming, which uh, I'm not I'm, – I'm, I'm grateful for. I'm uh, WGBH in Boston. Uh, did a lot with uh, putting their first programs, uh, making those available as podcasts. Uh, but kind of the mm, the beauty of 
the the amateurism of podcasting got pushed down a little bit, and mm. it was all BBC, NPR, Radio PBS. Lab. Yeah. <laughs> How you do it? Yeah. It's a little too much for me, the Radio Lab. I love Radio Lab, but I, I know what you're saying. It's very produced. It's very like people answer questions for the guest instead. Like you, they'll cut in. And so what he said was this. And you're like, why don't you just let him say it? Right. Well, it's so like this a, is why yeah. you are the Tonight Show of our era. You have, and that, by the way, I feel like I'm playing the Super Bowl here. I mean, if you see my my DMs and my text messages, people are like, holy Rogan, this is legendary. Ah, they're going nuts. And, and I'm like, oh, shit, you know, like, I'm, I've got to prep for the Super Bowl. You know, I've got to get ready to slam this. Um, uh, but you have taken what, you've really done the opposite. You've zigged everyone's zag, and you just have a conversation unedited you're a completely open type of personality so instead of trying to rush in and get the information an example i am um, i like uh, eliza schlesinger and i want and she was going to be on kimmel like oh I'll, I'll stay up and watch and watch that she was second guest which kind of sucks because you get first guest you know and then a bit and all that and there was literally before she came on it was six minutes of ads then a native ad in the studio for D's Nuts, then another five minutes of ad. It was 12 minutes of commercials, and Schlesinger was on for five minutes. You know, blah, 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 not even a clip. Yep. So people are sick and tired of it. I mean, yeah. the, the existing media, because of uh, just the, uh, the structure that's in place, the, the ratings game that you know, isn't really probably isn't really reality, but it's, it's an approved methodology. People believe in those numbers. Um, that's still there, but um, there's a reason why you get uh, Tulsi Gabbard and Bernie Sanders and people want to come on your show because you speak to an entire generation. My daughter is like, holy shit, my friends are all telling me that you're going to be on Rogan. <laughs> she never, never talks to me about any of that stuff. It's like, but you're on Rogan? Oh, okay, this is a little different. That's hilarious. So you, well, it's not like you don't know it. I mean, this, it's, it's weird. It's, it, I do know, but it's weird. Why do you think it's, why do you say it's weird? It's just weird. It's It's weird. Well, well, it was never intent. It, there was no intention. Like starting it from the beginning was just fun, and then I, well, this is cool. And then once it got like a certain amount of people, there was uh, a point in time where I started getting guests. So I was like, "You want to do my podcast?" And you know, some right. cool people like Anthony Bourdain was one of the first. Ones. Well, I remember in the beginning, and I've always wanted to be on your show. I think we've tweeted, you know, maybe seven years ago or something. You were in Austin, um, but I always felt like. Dude's doing some kind of pirate radio out there. You know, it's like, what is this shit? This, you know, there's something cool going on there. You know, you got all these people around you and, uh, and the comedian comics or comedians, which do you prefer? Either one's fine. I don't think it matters. Okay. Um, some people are sticklers for it. And I always find them to be annoying. So what I liked so much is that comedians gravitated toward it and said, okay, we can be funny and we can do stuff that isn't necessarily our jokes that are going to get ripped off. Because I think for the longest time, comedians would be like, I don't want to be on the internet. I'm not putting my shit out there because people will steal my jokes yeah. and they'll steal my whole, whole routine. And if anything, you and comedians started to really blanket the landscape and show you know, what could be done with this. And the fact that everyone could just kind of you know, receive it on their, on their phone was fantastic. We kind of created a, a, a real organic network. That's one of the things that we, we all kind of talk about it, that networks, if you think of a network like NBC or whatever, you, you think of 
it's a, it's a controlled network with executives and shareholders, mm-hmm. and then there's commercials. Yeah, there's all these different standards that you have to apply to. There's all the, and agendas, right? Exactly. But everyone, we're all on the network together. We're on Tuesday at eight, and these guys mm-hmm. are on Thursday at seven, and then all this. So shit. I made that same mistake, um, thinking that I could build a podcast network and run it kind of like like a, net, a hybrid network uh, record company. Mm-hmm. And raised a lot of money to do it, too. First mistake is that the VC guys, they wanted us to be in San Francisco. Who, who the fuck builds a media company in San Francisco? But okay. Um, it just doesn't work for a number of reasons. But the main one is the advertising model is just not built for this. An advertiser wants to know, and I'm talking real advertising. I'm not talking, you know, underwear and mattresses and, and Squarespace. We're talking automotive, pharmaceutical, you know, uh, telecom. These are the real – that's where the real money is. Mm -hmm. Um, They want to know exactly what they're going to be advertised on. And if it's – if they don't know what it is, they want no part of it, especially now as we have cancel culture um, through social networking. They want no part of it. So it's just not going to be spectacular uh, the way – you're not going to take those advertisers away. Um, what I meant by network is not that, though. No, I know, but, but yeah. that's what I'm saying. It's like yeah. I tried to build the contained network, right. failed. In my mind, fa- I mean, people made money and everything. The, the investors didn't make money, but everyone else made money. A lot of people money. have tried to do that. All things They're still trying it. They're, they're still, still trying it. It's just it's not that profitable, and it's also the ones that are successful are successful, and the other ones aren't. And like the idea that they're all sharing revenue, it's like okay, you kind of eat what you kill. So. What, you, what you're trying to say here about the ad hoc network is totally the way to go. What I'm saying is it just we didn't even think about it. We mm-hmm. just were supporting each other. And yeah. Comedians always suffered from famine syndrome um, because there was only a few shows on television and we were all trying to be on a sitcom or you were all trying to be the host of a late night show and there was only a handful of those. Right, I'm sure everyone wanted to be that. So that famine mentality was like it created a lot of weird animosity and competition between comedians. Mm-hmm. And then somewhere along the line, the internet came along, and then YouTube videos started making people famous, and then podcasts started making people famous. And then we all realized, like, the old model of, like, hey, if you do Leno, you can't do Letterman. Like, there was a, a lot of that oh, of nonsense course, back then. Of course, then. of course. That shit's out the window. Now, everybody does everybody's show. Like, Bill Burr does mine. I do his. We all do each other. I'll do Joey Diaz. He'll do mine. We're all friends. And what happens is I hear Bill Burr on your on your show, and I'm like, oh, fuck, he's got a podcast? You know, yeah. Monday morning podcast? Boom, subscribe. Exactly. You know, Joey Diaz, not necessarily my kind of guy, but fuck yeah. it. He, he's off the hook. His own yeah. podcast is kind of... So you are, in a way, kind of like a mothership? The rising tide lifts all boats. That's, that's how we think about it. How, how capitalist of Yeah, you. but it's not even that way. <laughs> it's just like everybody gets to do well. It's not that you know, we're, we're thinking of it in terms of uh, an industry at all. It's really just fun. Mm-hmm. It just happens to be profitable. But the way we started it out with no thought whatsoever of it ever being profitable, mm-hmm. that's why it became what it is. Because it was all like doing giant bong hits and uh, hitting all this vaporizer and literally not even knowing what you're talking about while you're talking half the time and having fun with a bunch was of silly people. was part of the appeal because yeah. it's everybody wants to be at the party. Yeah. That's, it, 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 even, that's why radio stations do remote broadcasts. You know, that's why top 40 stations go to Popeyes. Yeah. And, hey, we're here this morning, everybody. Right. Everyone wants to be part of it. Yes, part of, and, yeah, if, and if yeah. you're actually partying, yeah. 
I mean, that's that's what people love, of course. Yeah, we do these po- um, podcasts called Fight Companions, and then they're yes. some of our most popular ever. Yeah, and we'll watch fights and drink and smoke weed while the fights are going on, and they're they're madness. They're, they, yeah. they become total chaos. Yes, and those are some of the most popular podcasts. Shout we out, do. shout out to Ryan, my dance instructor, who's a huge fan. You're a you dancer. Are, what kind of well, dance no, are you doing? Well, no, my wife and I, we uh, we're we're, we're what dancing. Are you doing? Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, it's part of my workout uh, regimen. It is a workout. It's huge man. workout. It's a real workout. Oh yeah, it's it's oh, a, yeah. a lesson in body coordination and awareness. I mean, we do we'll do a double lesson. Mm. <laughs> this has always been my dream, uh, <laughs> and you know, so finally I found a woman who. Uh, this it's really. Do you dance at all? Have you ever danced uh, ballroom no, dance? No, but I did have to take dance lessons for this movie Zookeeper that I did a few years. Oh, back. Oh, it was with the Kevin uh, Kevin, Kevin James. James. Yeah, yeah. They had a whole dance scene where it was, it was like weeks. And I like that movie. Me that and Leslie Bibb movie. had this thing mm-hmm. on the floor. It was fun. So um, it is. Uh, the man leads the woman. It is a very traditional role in dancing. You know, or if you have two women dancing, one of them has to be the lead. But in this case. And the woman has to give into it. And it is, uh, for both of us, we find it, you know, just for, for being together and I'm leading, she's following. It's a total trust thing. There's all this um, interaction that you have, uh, which is almost frowned upon in today's uh, society. Mm. You know, oh, what? The man is actually, even me saying this. Oh, that you're leading. Oh, you're mm. leading. I'm leading. It's, you know, it's called leading. Um, but when we do an hour and a half, like a double lesson, I'm sweating. Like, yeah. I'm in all your muscles, everything. And just look at them on Dancing with the Stars. These fuckers mm-hmm. are cut. It's hard. You know, I talked to Chuck Liddell, who is the UFC light heavyweight champion. And he mm-hmm. told me that Dancing with the Stars was one of the hardest things he ever did. Oh, just preparing it. for it. I believe it. Yeah. It's hard. Dancing's yeah. real. <laughs> Joe Rogan says, dancing's real. It's, real. <laughs> it's a bumper sticker. It's a real, it, it's it is like, real. It's a difficult thing to do. And the cool thing is you can do it anywhere. Yeah, so, you know, true. So yeah. we want to get to the, we've only just started a couple months, but we yeah. want to get to the part where we can just go into a place and just dance. Oh, look at that. Yeah. That's cool. That's yeah. a, It's I, I'm a big believer in learning things and oh, taking I've, lessons and just something you suck at, just try it. So I got my ham radio license. Was, oh, yeah. so I'm, a, I'm Academically, I'm a piece of shit. I mean, I, I barely made it through high school. I dropped out of college in two months. I'm like, this is not for me. This is Sounds not like for me. me. Uh, I learned how to fly helicopters oh. and uh, air, airplanes. Uh, so I've I've gotten all these wow. these things, and I've, all I've not that I really fly that much anymore. Bird does helicopters. I know, yeah, I know. I heard that he flew me around downtown LA. Yeah, and, the, and Robbie cool. forty four twenty two. Uh, he doesn't have his own. He was uh, using one of the ones at this uh, helicopter company. Right. That he but was it four seater or two seater? It was a four seater. Okay, Robinson forty four. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I trained in. It I, was I owned two helicopters. Really? I had a helicopter company. Whoa. Yeah. In Texas, you could shoot pigs out of them. Yes, but that, you ever this, seen those? this was in uh, in uh, in the <laughs> Netherlands. Yeah, no, believe me, I've been invited. I'm sure. Yeah, I've been invited. I don't like uh, I don't like that uh, idea. It seems well, kind it's of a unfair. very unfair idea, yeah, but also they have to do something. Like there's millions well, the pigs are a problem. The pigs, pigs. the pigs are a problem. Yeah. But it's just like to me, it's like ha ha boom. boom. Like, exactly. Nah, I'm not the problem that. is that's the problem, right? I don't like is that. Th- the problem is the joking around about it while while death is happening. Yeah. It's a disturbing. And very unwinnable situation because the feral hog problem is so big, mm-hmm. particularly in Texas, mm-hmm. that you know they they lose millions of dollars in crops every year. Yeah, like many many. No, it's a real problem. Too. It's just yeah. I just can't get into the yeah. three hundred bucks an hour helicopter. You know, just shooting out of it. Yeah, out of the window. Yeah, 
Um, it's a lot of food, though. It does make a lot of food. They do, they donate the food to homeless. I have people. never shot a living thing. I've I have I have guns. I I've shot a lot of guns. Do you uh, eat meat? Oh yeah. Oh hell yeah. 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 I mean, wild pigs are a good place to start. There's a there's a place that does uh, oryx. Okay. And have you ever sure. had oryx? No, I have not. Oh, I heard. It's oh my god, it's yeah. so good. They've actually, so they has a conservation in Texas, mm-hmm. and there's actually more uh, oryx in Texas than in Africa, I believe. It's um, true, yeah. Because they're you know they're they're really managing them. You can go there, you can you know hunt them, shoot them, and then they'll do the, they'll dress the whole thing for you if you want. You can do it yourself. And mm-hmm. That part's not for me. I don't know. I just I, I just don't think I can. If I if I had to, no problem. But right. not, I know. not you don't just, have to. No. Right. Yeah. No. I I get it, man. I get it. It's not for everybody. Have you have you ever uh, shot something? Yeah. Yeah. I hunt. Yeah. Oh, I, I, I bow do hunt. bow and arrow. Right. Yeah. Okay. That's a whole different level. Yeah, it's uh, well. That this is my first animal I ever shot. That deer I shot mm-hmm. on a TV show called Meat Eater, and I got hooked right after because I was I was either going to become you, a vegetarian or mm-hmm. I was going to become a hunter. Right. I'd seen too many of those PETA videos. And you dress like, them. You do all that I do yourself. Everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, do I got everything. a buddy who does that, Scott, in yeah. uh, in in Austin. When I go when I go elk hunting, um, we'll dress it in the field and quarter it, but then I'll send it to a butcher to get it chopped up. Right. And different right. cuts. But yeah, no, I I, I love meat. There's nothing wrong with yeah. that. I, it's um I understand what you're saying like to pull the trigger and to, to to be there when an animal dies it's intense but it also makes you realize what you're doing when you're eating meat absolutely yeah and I think just knowing this I'm cognizant of it I and mean, I I don't bless my food but I think about it I'm like yeah oh, thanks man well <laughs> thanks thanks madam cow, when I was whatever. in Utah um, last September and I shot this elk not only do these guys pray for the elk everyone takes their hat off but they actually mm-hmm. take a wad of grass that the elk eat and they make like a bundle of it and they put it down on the, the elk carcass when we're done cleaning the elk. So after the, the bare bones of the elk, after the meat's removed, they put this this thing down. They take their hats off. It was pretty serious. Like right. These guides, they do it with every every elk that dies. There. Yeah, yeah. Because it's, you know, it's part of their livelihood, but it's also, they're majestic. They're, they're And they're, oh, fuck, beautiful. they're delicious. They're beautiful animals. And they're, yeah, yeah, and they're so special. They're mm-hmm. so interesting. Mm-hmm. Like uh, if I could... Just eat elk for the rest of my life. I'd be happy doing that. Reindeer? Just, have you tried reindeer? No, caribou. Right? Okay. Yeah. So reindeer in Finland. I had some reindeer. Yeah. They uh, There's a restaurant, and then a buddy of mine worked at Nokia at the time, and they bring you a picture. This is him. <laughs> like, <Whoa>. What? <laughs> and he's alive. You're like, I was Rudolph. And then there he is. So they kill him up. right before they serve it to I don't you? know that, but they, oh. they, they do show you, you know, this is the one you're eating right here. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's intense. That's very tasty, though. It's fantastic, it. fantastic meat. Yeah. it's Caribou is a very prized meat. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they're they're amazing animals, too. Mm-hmm. And they, they have these huge herds of them. And uh, I went to the North Pole, and I, uh, I saw just tons of them, tons of them up there. Do you know the whole story with them and psychedelics? With caribou? Yeah. No, but I'm interested. <clears throat> Okay, caribou are are connected to a mushroom called the Amanita muscaria mushroom. They're addicted to this mushroom. They mm-hmm. they eat it constantly. They've they've actually been known when people do psychedelic ceremonies and they go outside of their yurts to pee, mm-hmm. caribou will knock them over to try to get to their urine because their urine is rich with the smell of this this mushroom. This mushroom. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they eat it constantly. Hence, it's a psychedelic mushroom. The flying reindeer. It gets crazier. Ah, Ready? The connection between Santa Claus right. and reindeers is very strange. The connection between Santa Claus and this mushroom is also very strange. The mushroom looks like Santa Claus. It's red and white. It also shows up under pine trees. It has a mycorrhizal relationship with coniferous trees. So when it rains, the, the mushrooms will pop up under these trees. So these bright 
packages that look look that's packages what they look under like. the tree. Exactly. That is what they look like under trees. Wait. Boom. Yeah. yeah. Not only that, Blowing it gets crazier. It gets crazier. To dry them off, the shamans would pick them mm-hmm. and then put them in the pine. Put that photo up again for Adam. Thanks, man. Put them in the pine needles to dry them off. So just like like balls right, hanging in from the a tree. Christmas tree, right, right, and ornaments in a Christmas tree. Well, we still put pine needles in the pine cones in the yes, tree. Yes, yeah. exactly. And and balls, those bright colored balls. They think the origin of that was those things. Also, wow. Santa Claus came down the Christmas tree and when, or the, excuse me, the, the chimney. chimney when they were discouraging these uh, um, shamanic rituals. Uh, people had to sneak into people's houses to perform them. And one of the ways they did that was to climb down through the chimney. So the shaman would drop down through the chimney with a bag of mushrooms, and then they would all have these ceremonies. And when these ceremonies were forbidden, that's how they they got around it. Yeah. It's the the relationship between Santa Claus and Christmas and this mushroom is very strange. And Hmm. there's uh, tons of articles. Also... Almost all of the old Christmas cards had the Amanita muscaria mushroom on it. And elves, also the elves, the connection between elves and these mushrooms. I gotta ask about that. He's, he collects, he's an archivist, he collects uh, old Christmas cards. Oh, I'll does be, he? I'll bet you he has some of those. Find uh, old Christmas cards with mushrooms. There's thousands of them. I've never done mushrooms. What? You I've done DMT. No, no, no. Thank okay. you. I'll smoke weed with you. But, and, okay. and I did DMT and enjoyed it very, very much. That's a, that's a wild one, huh? I did it twice. See, look at these uh, old... Old Christmas tree. Oh, yeah. Find some uh, some ones that show, like, Merry... Look at that one right there in the middle. Yeah, there you go. See that one? Merry Christmas. Trip your balls off, kids. <laughs> hey, look. They all have mushrooms. Oh, See, my God. in the early 1900s when they were making these and the, even in the 1800s, people were just more connected to the origins of these stories. Sure, sure. And over time, we've kind of lost that connection. Oh, well, we commercialized it into all kinds of but other shit. But it's always the Amanita muscaria. If you look at these. Yeah, the mushroom, of course. It's always that one mushroom that looks like Santa Claus. Wow. Yeah. It's a weird mushroom, though. That was a complicated mushroom because it, it, it varies genetically and also varies geographically and also varies seasonally. I've never, I've, I've done it before, but I never had a good reaction out of it. I did it with uh, my friend Stanhope, and uh, Doug and I did it, and we, we weren't feeling it. And then we had some other mushrooms. We brought some psilocybin <laughs> mushrooms. We threw them into the, the, the party, and then, then we took off. I'm, I'm not into eating any drugs. That's, no? I like smoking flour. That's about it. Mm, okay. Mm-hmm. I grew up in Amsterdam that made it kind of easy. Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. It's, um, yeah it's, it's tricky, especially when you don't know what you're getting. Mm-hmm. You know? But mushrooms are pretty, pretty standard once you've done it a few times. You know what? You know what you're getting into, but that that mushroom and Christmas it's it's a very and anyway the caribou which is pull Santa's reindeer pull the sled right well they're flying because they're tripping their balls off they're high as fuck wow yeah the more you know yeah I mean that's probably the reason why those reindeer are addicted to that mushroom they they favor it they huh. love it yeah that's it's a weird one story that mushroom also is a weird one in that when people take it they trip and then to really enhance their trip they drink their urine because apparently the the in the urine contains like your body filters out you get an extra like super blast exactly yeah fantastic Weird stuff. I'm trying to cut back on drinking my pee, though. Yeah, it's a good Just move. a bit. Yeah. It's just, it's unsightly. People catch you doing it. They give you the weird yeah, eye. Yeah, it's socially so unacceptable. <laughs> you know, just like, what the hell are you doing, Curry? Yeah, um, but anyway, caribou, I've never had it, but I've heard it's delicious. Mm. 
I've had a bunch of different kinds of deer. Axis deer is probably the favorite. That's that's really delicious. Mm-hmm. That's another one. Is a weird. It's a weird deer because uh, it's an invasive species in Texas. It's, oh, oh tell me, I got him in the backyard. There. Oh, yeah. do you have axis oh, deer in your backyard? No, no, I got deer. Oh, really? Yeah, Just I don't know. Regular what, white-tailed deer. I have no idea. Do they have white spots all over their bodies and weird horns? Uh, or does it look kind of like that? That's a mule deer. You probably, probably don't have like, too many of those. I don't know. I you probably have white tails. I don't know. They hiss. They hiss how they wheeze at you. Yeah. Like, Shut yeah. the fuck up. Yeah, that's the girls usually. They're letting the men know that there's yeah. some danger here. Yeah, they and, you know they just walk right through the backyard, walk onto the street. They're all you know, we live in a cul-de-sac. They're all over the place. Wow. Like, Whatever. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that's what happens when there's no predators. It becomes a real issue. People slam their cars into them. I have a buddy who lives in Iowa, and you can't even went to the rut like in November. You can't even drive. Yeah, you just are crossing the road you just, everywhere. You, everywhere you go, and you better be going 20 miles an hour because they yeah. just dart out with a boner. So yeah. They don't know what they're doing because the males <laughs> lose pretty their fucking dumb. marbles. They're basically rodents. You know, it's just kind of yeah. like what the hell. Yeah. They're not that wise. So yeah. I don't feed them. Just go away. Yeah, that's smart. Just keep them going. Move on, people. Yeah, Nothing but if to you have here. like apples or something in your backyard, no. then no. it becomes don't a problem. don't have any of that. No. At least you guys don't have bears. That, that's when it really is a pain in the ass when people- We got coyotes now, though. Oh, I bet you do. Yeah, I saw a couple of those walking through the yard. Yeah. And they're, they, you know, I have no pets, so- uh, Yeah, we've want. lost pets. I used to have so many. I used to have so many pets. I had everything. Yeah. yeah. Oh, dogs, cats, goats. Um, do you feel free now without them? I do. Yeah, I do. It's just uh, and you. Re- you don't really realize it until you know you. You're closing the sliding door. You're opening it up, and you're mm-hmm. not thinking shit. You know, right. is someone going to get out? You know, that, right. that's very free. That's a weird thing too. I always feel bad. The cats can't even go outside. You well, know, they can't go outside in Texas. They they'll get eaten. Get eaten. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, but it's just sad that they can't even go outside. Like what the fuck kind of life is that? Just living in a little prison yeah, where you like get gerbils, you know, in a cage. Yeah, you know? I don't like goldfish. I don't like any of that. Goats though, I had a lot of goats. Those are mean fuckers. Yeah, that's horses too. I'm I I had a thing. My daughter had horses, and I like I had a castle in the, in Belgium, and we had, had two horses there. You had a castle in Belgium? Yeah. Damn. I, I used to have money. <laughs> I spent <laughs> it. The spent MTV it on. money. No, no. Um, I took my company public in 96 called uh, Think New Ideas, uh, and it was uh, one of the first internet marketing uh, advertising companies. And it was big. We had 400 people. It was, it was a big company. Oh, wow. Um, and uh, yeah, my buddy and I, we just worked out and we took it public. And back then, it was like, this is before the, the real dot-com craze. So we raised $20 million. Like, holy shit, we couldn't believe it, which is nothing these days. And after... All the lawyers and everyone had taken their money. There was $15 million left, and so we started to build the business. Um, and uh, uh, what were we talking about? Castle. You have a castle in oh, Belgium. Yeah, so there was that. And then I'd also, at the time, uh, someone had said, um, and I did pretty well on the, on the IPO. And yeah, not crazy, but, you know, okay. It was a, you know, I learned what uh, dilution means. <laughs> <laughs> I learned that pretty quick. But I'd invested $50,000 in some company. And then I'd, uh, in 2000, just before 2000, moved to Amsterdam, moved back to uh, the Netherlands. And uh, the bank called me and said, you sitting down? I said, yeah. I mean, what's up? I said, you remember that company you invested in? I said, yeah. Um, well, uh, it went public. Uh, it was Ask Jeeves. Oh, wow. And uh, you now have $65 million. I'm like, oh, yeah, on paper. On paper, Joe. So lock up, you couldn't sell any of it, you know, oh, all no? this stuff. So I did get some out, but, you know, basically wrote it down to wallpaper. How uh, come you can't sell it? I've never Well, if you're an that. insider, 
Right. Uh, you you lock up your shares. It's a it's an SEC regulation, so you oh. you can't sell for. Um, I think that it's negotiable, but it's 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 so the other investors who come in um, won't be left holding the bag. So you know. Right. You do the IPO, and then all the insiders sell their shares, and everyone who just bought at the IPO, then all their shit goes down in value, and Got they're screwed. It. So you have to, there's a lockup, typically six months or 12 months or 18 months, and through some back-ended way, I don't know what the hell was going on, I don't know how bankers do it with swapping stuff and promises and derivatives, they were able to get some money out for me that I spent on helicopters and <laughs> castles and all kinds of fun stuff. I, 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 I've enjoyed the money. Yeah, well, that's de- good. Definitely. Glad I got the podcasting thing left. So, How'd you get back to Austin? Uh, well, I, uh, so I had the company in San Francisco. This was a different company, the podcast company. And I was, going, I was living in London at the time, so I lived there for five years. Damn, you're an international traveler. Oh, I've lived in a couple places. Um, and was going back and forth, uh, San Francisco, London. And uh, uh, there was a breakup between me and my wife, and we got divorced. Uh, and so I stayed in San Francisco and then moved uh, um, to California to, uh, to uh, Los Angeles for uh, was about a year. I, I always wanted to live in L.A. I lived in the hills over by Highland. Uh, and it just didn't work for me. You know, I, I was doing basically the podcast. You know, that shows me yeah, like 12, 13 years ago. Um, and I, I don't know. It's just it's, maybe it was that area. But I really had nowhere else to go. And if I wanted to go somewhere, I'm just sitting in traffic all day. It's like if I want to go to the beach, no. Uh, I was with uh, a, a woman at the time who was an actress. <sighs> <laughs> never, never marry an actress, man. It's bad. I, I was warned. Uh, so she wanted to be in that general area. So it just wasn't working for me. And then I did a tour um, from Virginia down to Florida, the Gulf Coast, uh, for the show with an RV, doing the show from the RV, meeting people, doing meetups. Um, and it was it was just around the time when the you had the the BP oil spill in uh, in the Gulf. Mm. And so people were really depressed, and it was all messy, and just not, was not a good vibe. And I was going to go straight up to Chicago, and a buddy of mine, Greg Lawley, who was one of the true last independent record promoters, who I'd known from San Francisco, and he I knew him from Chicago back from the radio days, and he said, "Oh, Adam, come to Austin. You, you'll love it. Come come to Austin. You stay at my place. Come to Austin." Like. No, nah, man, I'd, I'd never really been to Texas. You know, just like, that doesn't really interest me. I'm just going to go up to Chicago. And he just kept pushing and pushing as I'm driving up. And then he says, or I thought to myself, Greg is flamboyantly gay, single dad, adopted a kid from uh, Ukraine. And if he's in Texas and he's still alive, it can't be that bad. <laughs> so some, maybe it's just Austin. I don't know. So I visit him. And we did a meetup, and this is in the summer, so it's about 112 degrees. But you know that Austin heat is not too humid; it's it's doable. And there were 30, 33 people at the meetup, and they were all happy and proud of their city and proud of their state, and they loved what was just. It was so much good energy, particularly after I just came from the Gulf. And one young woman, her purse fell on the ground, and out rolled a, a fresh pair of underpants and a, and a handgun. I'm like. Texas. <laughs> this is where I, I moved there three months later. Really? I've been there 10 years now. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. D- it has grown though. Oh my God. It's, it's crazy. It's right? changing. You know, People this is, talk about it too much. I mean, I've lived in, uh, uh, my, my wife Tina and I, so we got married in, uh, in May. Uh, we bought a house together 
uh, southeast Austin. But we were living downtown, uh, right downtown. I had a place there, and then we moved into an apartment together. And we just saw it happening. It really started with the with the scooters. That's really what started to mess up Austin. Because um, you know, they just, overnight, it's like, what the fuck is this? And just They're everywhere. And, you, I mean, Austin had already been trying to create a bike vibe with uh, bike paths and, you know, just all this stuff, which is ludicrous. I mean, I, I grew up riding bicycles, and uh, it takes maybe 50 years before everyone is accustomed to bicycle traffic. You know, it's not just something that's built in. I turn right around the corner. I still look. I look in my right mirror. I look there to make sure there's not a bike next to me. It's Mm -hmm. just built in. So people don't do that. So people are always getting hit. And then these scooters pop up, and it's just mayhem. You know, everywhere. They're on the sidewalks. They're mowing people down. People are, you know, it's nuts. They go fast, too. They go go very fast. They go very fast. He's got a souped-up one. Mm -hmm. How fast does that bitch go? Like 50? 25. Ah, Pussy. Hey, 50 does ones that go 50? <laughs> oh, yeah. Scooter? Oh, I've seen them jacked up doing 50. Oh, my sure God. Thing. If you oh, wipe, yeah. you're dead. Yeah. Well, there, there's that. Yeah, you're going down at 50. He's, but he 25 flies, is though. already pretty fast. He flies. Yeah, because I think scary. most of them do about 15, 15, 17 miles His an hour. His is juicy. But what I noticed is because um, all the Silicon Valley companies are opening up offices in Texas, a lot of them in Austin, mm-hmm. and that's where they put the, the, the human resource heavy uh, stuff. So, um, not the top programmers. This is help desk. This is um, the people who review the YouTube videos. So, you know, they're, they're already kind of whack because they're watching nothing but death and destruction and fucked up shit all day long. <laughs> they, don't, they don't really have a connection to the city. They're kind of like, I'm here for a couple of years and I'll go move somewhere else. Mm. So, they don't care. And they're on the scooters. Right. So, they don't really care about the city, about the, the whole vibe. Mm. And like, hey, whatever, get fucked Community, up and drive right. around. And that's become increasingly more. Um, Austin has some other problems. Um, you now we're, we're kind of following what uh, what California, uh, we're San Francisco, Los Angeles, Portland, Seattle. You know, we're following the let people camp everywhere thing. So that's mm. become a real problem. And it's, it's crazy here. You know, it's based upon. It all comes from uh, uh, a lawsuit in Boise, Idaho, and that's where this started. Where. Um, and the first went through the Fifth Circuit and then the Ninth Circuit Court, there was an appeal that said you cannot um, move people who are camping without having a suitable place for them to stay that you can offer them because then it is a violation of the Eighth Amendment under cruel and unusual punishment. That's why – and that's what Austin said. Well, until that's solved, it's cruel and unusual punishment to move someone who's – homeless or not, move someone who's camping if you can't offer them adequate – um, housing. So these people are just camping on sidewalks there, just like they do here? Is that the underpasses? Uh, medians. Like mm-hmm. it, oh, the, the underpasses. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. And so it's this weird and legal situation. Recent. Yeah, this really started, um, well, they, re- they lifted the, camp, the no camping ban. Lifted it. So it was not a problem. Then they said, well, we're going to let anyone camp. And it went nuts. And all of a sudden, downtown was just filled with people laying camping everywhere. <laughs> then they went, uh-oh. This is not going to work, Mayor Adler uh, and City Council. So, uh, okay, we'll ban it in the just in downtown, which is pretty much where the mayor lives. You know, the W <laughs> Hotel. This, the you can't no camping in front of City Hall. But we have a we're a university town, so you've got UT, and it's just there's this whole you know like half of a, a, a like a semicircle of camping and 
just mayhem right on the on the outskirts of the campus and you know kids are afraid you know yeah. like now they're getting they're getting harassed we have squeegee guys dude yeah. i i drove into new york every single day from jersey in in 89 90 and you know the squeegee guys were a huge problem and then they were gone i think giuliani like threw them in the east river or something but and now they're back in new york it's like this is not not a good thing. Yeah, how do you fix that though? The people are worried about the cruelty in fixing oh, it. Oh, there you go. You know, that's the problem. It's like you it's a <clears throat> you you, ha- you almost have to be cruel to stop that. No. No? How do you stop? Well, well I mean, for, you have for, to engineer well, some talk, sort of a homeless what, well, solution. Well, what are we talking about? Not everyone who is um squeegeeing and loitering and uh, and soliciting is homeless. Right. Or, you know, it's not necessarily something that they didn't choose. A lot of people choose a vagrant lifestyle. There's tons of it, particularly in warmer climates. Like here. And I do a lot for the homeless problem in Austin, as much as I can. And none of it is sanctioned by the city. They're fucking morons. You know, it's like, oh, we'll build affordable housing. We'll, we'll get a hotel and we'll turn that yeah. into a, It's like, oh, a slum hotel? Okay, great. The number one reason people become homeless is catastrophic loss of family. That's the number one reason. Someone dies, you know, this, this, and then it just, it's downhill from there, and before you know it, you're out on the street. it's very difficult to rebound from that kind of thing. And so people need community. Everybody needs community. So where do they find their community? Under the bridge. That's where the community is. And the community is transactional. It's drugs. You know, it's, you know, whatever. That's a community. It's not a healthy one, but it's a community. There's actually a, um, a great project in Austin called uh, Mobile Loaves and Fishes Community First Village. Mm-hmm. Started by this guy who was in construction, and he just put down a whole bunch of tiny homes. And people who are – if you're homeless, you can go there, and you can live in a tiny home, but you rent it. And um, there are some – you know, some prerequisites, but you don't have to be, you know, necessarily drug-free because it's your home, so you can do whatever you want in your home. But it's like $200 or $250 a month. Most people, if they do the paperwork, they can get uh, Social Security or disability, which will cover that. They still have to, you know, either work there in the community garden to feed themselves. They have different, you know, like a auto detailing, got all this different stuff. Uh, but there's no policing. It's not, you know, there's, there's, I think there's 500 people there now. Um, and it's working out fantastically. Oh, that's cool. Because um, you know, they have community. Now that you, An outside-the-box solution. Totally, yeah. totally. Gets no money from the city because there's a religious aspect to it. You know, there's a, a ministry part. So, okay. oh, we can't give money to that because, you know, fucking God nuts or whatever right. it is. Um, but it's really working extremely well. That's great when someone comes up with something. Yeah. You know, I don't... I, <sighs> I mean, people should look at this. Alan Graham is a saint. What, what he did... And he lives there. He, he lives in a, in a, in a small, you know, small home on really? premises. Yeah. And if you go there, he'll be happy to, to show you around. I mean, they got all kinds of cool stuff. But yeah, it's just people are living together. He says, so if Joe walks out in the morning, not you, Joe, but... The other Joe, and he's got his, his, his dick hanging out, and he's like, Ugh! instead of the neighbors calling the cops, the neighbors, hey, Joe, what's going on, man? Let's sit down for a second. Let's have a coffee. Let's see what's going mm-hmm. on. Pull your pants up. You know, let's, uh, and yeah. a community, right? community first village. That's, that's the answer, but that's not the answer that you hear from your local city council or your mayors. It's always, well, we don't have affordable housing. Affordable so housing is not going to fix com- everything. It's also there's a lot of mental illness. That's a, a giant well, of part course, of it, drug addiction. There's, but there's a lot of people with mental illness who have houses. So, yeah, you know, it's, it's true. 
Um, so definitely, it's, uh, mental illness and drug addiction, but it really starts with catastrophic loss of family. That's the number one reason people become unhoused. Out here, it's the shift was, Jimmy, what would you say, about four or five years ago? It really started kicking in somewhere around then, yeah. Somewhere around four or five years ago, you just started not- noticing like villages of tents mm-hmm. under underpasses. Yeah. And then uh, I, we used to do Fear Factor in downtown LA, like right down the street from Skid Row, mm-hmm. which is an extraordinary place. If you've never seen Skid Row and you drive by, you go, what? Mm-hmm. This is real? Like this is downtown Los Angeles, yeah. and you you're in a which zombie is which movie. is which they turned beautiful by the way. I mean, they really you know downtown LA became really nice. They Some parts some, of yeah, it, yeah, great, great, great infrastructure and everything. But then restaurants just, and cool, really cool yeah. apartment buildings and stuff. It's an interesting spot. But then there's also Skid Row, yeah. which is just you can't believe the staggering numbers of people that are just camped out. Yeah, uh, thousands and thousands and thousands, just a mass like people coming out of a fucking stadium to see a game. Adam Carolla said uh, it, uh, said it really well. Um, I forget where I saw him. Um, he said it's like no one wants to be the bad guy. No yeah. one, no one wants to say, okay, this right. shit has to stop. We got to do something about yeah. this, and it starts with stopping whatever you're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a part of cancel culture. Yeah, people are afraid, you know, because cancel culture is real. If you have something to lose, like you have nothing to lose, I have nothing to lose. They can, they, you're, you're, you're bulletproof. To a degree, I'm bulletproof. You can cancel all you want. You're not taking away from me. No advertisers. I don't have them. You know, only the people who listen can stop listening. That's the only thing that could happen. How do you monetize your podcast if you don't have advertisers? Uh, well, we call it the value for value system. When Dvorak and I started the show 13 years ago, it was just him and I just, you know, talking on Skype. I was in London. He was in San Francisco. And <laughs> we noticed that because I like to read uh, legislation. I'll read bills. I'll read, I was reading the Lisbon Treaty, which was kind of the European uh, – it was supposed to be the European Constitution, which uh, was – voted down by France, the Netherlands, and Ireland, and then the, the European Union went, no, 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 let's vote again. You did it wrong. <laughs> Literally, like, re-vote. And so, oh, okay, I guess we'll vote this way now. Was, and then I, I was reading it, like, this is, this is not the way it's being portrayed on television. Like, oh, we'll have, we won't need a passport to go to other countries. We'll have the same money. I mean, I was seeing shit in there that was way different about you can incarcerate people you can uh, deadly force by the cops would be legalized and none of this is really what's what's happening over here at the same time i read a book called i'm just going to give you the background to get into the money part um called legacy of ashes uh by new york times uh, writer uh david weiner i think and uh it was about the cia and my uncle appears in this book multiple times my uncle don Gregg who was a big, big guy in the CIA for a long time. And, and I called him up and said, hey, Don, have you read this? He said, yeah. I said, is it true? He said, yeah, it's pretty much how I remember it. I'm like, okay. So whatever is on television and radio is not at all really what's going on or what has happened. And so it started to become a lot of work. We're doing work, and then we said, well, uh, we'll never get advertised. We, you know, Dvorak's a radio guy. He's a media guy. So we understand, understand it all. Um, we'll never get advertisers. That'll never work. So we'll just have to ask people to send us money. But why did you say you would never get advertisers? Because it's too controversial. Adver- adver- I mean, yeah, we can get some advertisers, but not the real advertisers. That's what we talked about earlier. Mm-hmm. You know, there's no advertisers really going to be interested. And also, how do you 
you know, what are your what are your ratings? What are your metrics? What are your numbers? You know, the, certainly then the questions. Well, how do you know if someone listen if it's just a download? I mean, I can. I'm sure you've gone through all of this. Also, we didn't want to have a fucking meeting. Yeah, I don't have a meeting with advertisers. <laughs> I don't. Want, I don't want to meet anymore. No right. more meetings. So, we, but we did something different. We said instead of saying send us five bucks. I don't work for tips. You don't work for tips. Mm-hmm. Instead of that, um, what is this show worth to you? So you just listened to us for a couple hours. You could have gone to the movies. You know, if you took a date, had some, you had a Coke and popcorn, 50 bucks. Was this worth 50 bucks? Up to you. And what we discovered is that value is very different. Some people will say, That's, here's $5. I love the show. Someone else says, here's $500. That's how much I value the show. Someone else says, fuck, I'm going to give you $1,000. That's how much I value the show. And we built this model where we literally just say what value does the show bring to you and we thank people with the amounts that they gave we're completely transparent you can just sit there and and see what people are giving us um and it just became this whole interactive feature where uh well we put levels in so if you if you donate two hundred dollars you're an associate executive producer just like hollywood the fuck say it's a real three hundred dollars an executive producer and we do a little mention in a different part of the show for the executive producers and you know they can read a note and oftentimes it's it's usually something about the show so they're they're brought into the conversation specifically so it's not just a donation segment it's content Mm. and we have like you have um uh, lawyers, doctors, nurses, teachers, college professors, uh, tons of military, um, lots of spooks and three-letter agents, you know, CDC, also it's kind of a spook agency. There's all kinds of crazy uh, people who really, I think, enjoy when we talk about what they're doing. Mm. And so they love to let you know, and then maybe anonymous, you know, like, hey, man, don't mention my name, but, you know, here's – and that just grew. And um, – uh, you know, now thirteen years later, we've, we we're feeding two families, and we're very very happy. And uh, that's all I do is you know twice a week, Sundays, Thursdays. Um, we have a we do we do record it live. You know, we don't do any uh, post editing or anything. It's, it's in and out, just done. And do you like the fact that you just don't have any connection to anyone other than your fans? Is that very satisfying? Extremely satisfying. Mm. It's it's not just fans. We call them we don't call them listeners, fans. They're producers. Everybody, That's a great way of putting it. Everybody is a producer. Mm-hmm. If you see the amount of stuff that I get in, you know, so take coronavirus. You know, we've got a lot of people who are very specified, uh, not just in epidemiology, but in finance, uh, who can, you know, give us all these different insights. And you put it all together. I'm really a professional information manager, and I built a whole bunch of systems specifically for that. I just get stuff coming in, coming in, and we like to deconstruct the media. So we'll play anywhere from 30 to 50 little news clips in a three-hour show and then just deconstruct it. You know, why is this being said? What is, what, is, what is really behind this? Is it true? And, you know, then I spend a lot of time researching. That's really what I do. I just research and look at stuff and bang it around, look at, if I can, from all angles as much as possible, and then present it. And it's often surprisingly accurate. Wow. I, I love that idea of calling them producers, and I love the idea that you're not connected at all to anyone other than your fans. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's perfect. The producers, Joe. Yeah. It's the producer. I like it. And then we, um, and then we started to, uh, I guess the correct term would be gamify it. So 
people started saying, hey, man, I've donated $1,000 like in total, like over whatever. That's fantastic. We should reward these people. So we started to give them knighthoods. <laughs> why should the queen, who I've met, why should the queen of England be the only one who can do that? We can All do right. knighthoods. They're just as good. And you get a signet ring and some sealing wax. Do you really? And, yeah. Yeah. You get a real wing, a yeah. ring, so yeah. you could actually like close a letter with it? Yes. Oh, when Drip them out people, the wax. People and... send uh, letters to us all the time. <laughs> they got their meetups, the people with their rings. Like, you know, it's like a, it's oh, like a badge of honor. It's a little culty. It has. It, it's um, a little bit. It's unavoidable. It has, there's a lot of different elements. Uh, I would say more uh, like a church, which can also be a cult. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. You know, it's not an evil cult. In fact, it's a very healthy cult. We now have people are now doing meetups around the world where they come together. And, you know, we have a noagendameetups.com. People can schedule it. And you know, we got all this. That's another thing. We have all the infrastructure, the entire show is run by the producers. So we have independent uh, architecture for our servers, all of that, one run by uh, Void Zero, Sir Bemrose. They run it. They do it, you know, out of the love, love and goodness of their heart for the show. Of course, they receive titles, et cetera, for that. Um, we have an art generator where uh, every show we have has new art. There'll be 10 or 12 different submissions. It's kind of a little contest. You know, to have new art on, on every, uh, every new podcast is really exciting when it shows up in the podcast app, something different. Um, but we also have, uh, you know, oh my God, we have search engines. We have just all this stuff that guys and gals have just built for us and just kind of runs and it all kind of fits together. So we, we would never be able to make money uh, with this if we outsourced the production, you know, mm-hmm. paid production. We wouldn't right. make it. And I think it's very hard for anybody to do that unless you're at a, uh, at a JRE scale, which is a little different. Uh, I don't, we don't even know how many people listen. We don't know. We don't fucking care. You just, don't know how many people listen? There's, there's no actual way to know. There's no technical way. Anyone telling you different is full of shit. There's no way to know how many people listened. It's just not. The Apple... Uh, iPhone uh, app does have some um, statistics that you can get, but it's only uh, iPhone statistics. You can kind of get an idea and you can extrapolate out. That's recent that they have that. Meaning that you don't know how many downloads really, or you don't know how many people. Oh, listen I can count to the downloads. downloads, but how many people listen to it? You don't know. Right. It's and and even then, there's a lot of um, network address translation that you may not be counting all the downloads. Mm. It's just technically not true. Unless you rig the listening side, which is kind of what Apple did, and have statistics there, which no one has, there's no way to actually know who's listening. Mm. But for us, it's like, can I pay the mortgage? Okay, great show. That's it. Mm. And that is, it's like killing and eating the meat yourself. Mm. It's, it's, it's a version of that. And I love it. We've spawned a couple other shows that have the same system. Um, Jen Briney with Congressional Dish. I've started a new one called MoFax, uh, which has the same uh, systemology. Uh, it, it is so fucking gratifying. It really, I love it. I love the people who, who help us, who produce stuff for us. I mean, we'll go to a meetup, people, you know, donate on the spot. Um, but they also love just meeting together uh, without us there. All of the, the, like Leap Day, there must have been 14 different meetups around the world. And I'm talking... Uh, Israel, um, uh, Australia, um, uh, England, uh, the Netherlands, just all, all over the world. 
uh, and they get together to just be in a non-triggering environment. So you can say whatever the fuck you want, kind of like our show. You know, no one's going to get triggered. No one's going to get outraged. And it's all different kinds of walks of life. And they have one thing in common. It's like, you know, they think the media is kind of full of shit. And, uh, and they support the show. And they like those topics. And, and you know, but there's no, it's just, it's small amygdalas, man. Mm, that's cool. Small amygdalas. Um. It, it has been a weird, it must be, it's been a weird ride for us noticing how much more outrage people get at things today than they did just a few years ago. And targeted outrage where people just decide that, you know, they're going to start attacking you for something that used to be normal to say. Like there was a, like, some of it is so ridiculous, it's crazy, like there was a... Titania McGrath mm-hmm. had a... Uh, <laughs> That's a great Twitter account. <laughs> yeah, I love that guy, Andrew. Shout out to Andrew. Um, he's got a uh, post. There was a sign that was hanging uh, from a window um, in the UK that it, it basically was the definition of a woman. It said, a woman, a, a female human being, noun. Right? That's like the sign. And then... <clears throat> All these people went crazy and were protesting it, saying that it's a transphobic dog whistle, which is – that's a new one, right? Dog whistle's only been around for like two years. People calling something a transphobic yeah. or homophobic yeah. or a sexist dog whistle, like, mm-hmm. holy shit, like you can't say anything anymore. Well, let's go back to the basics. Um, yeah. I was on the internet very early, 1987, before the World Wide Web. And um, you may remember we had something called Usenet groups. Yes. And the Usenet groups – and the way it used to work, because you know, we didn't really have a widely spread internet back then, except in universities. And I was on MTV, and when I saw the internet, I'm like, holy fuck, I'm emailing with kid, my audience, who were not counted in the ratings, by the way. College audience don't count in the Nielsen ratings, or at least didn't at the time. And they want something very different from what MTV is playing. So I was like, wow, this is interesting. So I got into these Usenet groups, and the way that worked is you'd post something, and then overnight it would be copied all around the Internet, and you had to connect to a special server, and you pulled in the groups that you had subscribed to. And so really it was kind of a – it wasn't an immediate conversation, but you'd post something, and then people would reply back. And I – just kind of jumped in two feet and and immediately fuck you commercial MTV asshole what are you doing here fuck off that you don't you're not supposed to quote like that you're supposed to quote at the bottom and the top and I was like whoa what's going on and what that was is the minute you have the opportunity for people to say stuff anonymously they turn into giant dick bags almost everybody this is just an easier way to do it yeah now we've made it so easy and with all the little the you know the, uh, the 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 blips and the blooms and the rewards that you feel when something is posted or someone you know goes against you and it's like the, and again I think amygdalas have swollen because of this so then you get this this you respond differently to what you think is an attack and the attack regi- and you know this shit mm. it registers in your brain as, as something really dangerous and bah, I'm going to go back at them but they're anonymous and that's the that's the best thing then the blue check mark became a little more interesting. Um, which I don't have, and uh, I tried to get one for a long time. And they, someone over there hates me, and now really? Oh yeah, they wouldn't. No, that's I, what it is. They hate you. So they what else you could blue- it be? I've never gotten a blue check mark. I don't want one now. Now to me, it's the mark of the beast. <laughs> you got a blue check mark. You know, I'd be looking over my shoulder, man. I was like, eh. so now that's become kind of those. I'm, those are the people that now risk 
being deplatformed mm. because you have status. Right. And so it's fun to bang against these people like, fuck this guy, I'm going to bang against him. Mm. So it's some human nature that is that just exists within us. Um, like, you know, it would be really easy for me to go online, you know, under whatever Twitter handle, ah, Joe Rogan, you dick. I wouldn't say that to your face. Look right. at you, you know, beat me the fuck up. So no, but people have no problem doing that anonymously. Yeah, they don't see you. They don't feel the, they don't, like, when people look at you in the eye and they act like an asshole, like they feel you like, what the fuck, man? It's like a natural human instinct to not do that. All the you know, visual the cues, cues, the human yeah. interaction. Yeah. You, um, That's how we're supposed to talk. You, re, you know the book uh, Connection, uh, Lost Connections, I think. It's um, Harari, I think is the mm-hmm. guy's name. Lost Connections. He dealt, you, That's the guy you should have on your show. He delves into... The same guy wrote Sapiens? Uh, maybe. I don't know. What's his name? Noah Harari. Noah Yuval Harari. Uh, well, Is that him? Look up Lost, Lost Connection. Johan Hari. Johan Hari. Yes. Oh, that's a different yeah. guy. He's been on the podcast. Hasn't Johan been on the podcast? Yes, yes. So That's right. Lost Connection. Twice, right? Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, I missed that one. Yeah. Um, that that human yes. your eyebrows. Right, you know, it's right, not just right. for catching sweat dripping off your uh, off your brow. You know, right. it's for communication. Yeah, inquisitive. Feed, mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, all this stuff. Cues. All these cues are not not there. The deplatforming the- is getting really preposterous too for things. Um, uh, you know, Zuby got deplatformed. He got kicked off of Twitter. This is crazy. Who's Zuby? Zuby is a musician. Uh, he's a rapper from the UK um, who's uh, been on the podcast before. I mean, the dude doesn't even swear, right? He's back on, so they suspended him temporarily. But this is why he got suspended. He's, I forget, he was having a discussion online about something, and someone said, I bet I, uh, you don't know what the fuck you're talking about, something to that regard, like, I bet I sleep with more women than you do, to which he writes, okay, dude. That's uh-oh, it. uh-oh, transphobic. I, I mean, he didn't know... Uh, he said, I have no idea who that person was. Especially, especially was the UK, it's, it's illegal. The UK, yes. you cannot uh, transphobicize somebody, and you can actually get a visit from the cops. But he even made posts about it, like showing how ambiguous the oh, – like he couldn't figure out – he didn't know if it was a guy or a girl. He just – no, someone said that, and he was like, that's a ridiculous thing to say. I bet I sleep with more women than you. So he goes, okay, dude. Right. Like what? He's not even insulting the person. And they decided by him saying, okay, dude, that is grounds for being banned from Twitter temporarily. Like. Well, That's madness. And then these people are laughing about it and making light of the fact they were able to do that. Because it's a game, right? They're, they have a rock and they see a window a yeah. and they want to throw that rock. Mm-hmm. And they got them. They worked. They got them kicked off temporarily. But that sends a weird signal to everyone else because it makes you self-censor. It's, it's not healthy for well, it, anybody. It's also not really a sustainable business model long term. I mean, Twitter, they, they, because of this, the cancel culture, they said we're not going to take any political ads, you know, yeah. like – that's why Jack Dorsey's going to get kicked out. You see that ad? I mean, you see that new uh, thing with a billionaire guy just bought a shitload Paul, of controlling Paul Singer. stock? Yeah, yeah. Paul Singer, he is a huge part of the Republican financial engine. Mm. This guy has been under – it's very interesting he's doing this now um, because he's an activist investor and he's he's, try, he's trying to get three or four board seats. He'll get them because he, mm-hmm. you know, of the amount of shares he's bought up, like a billion at least. Um because he, you know, sees the so-called uh, bias against the right, and he yeah. wants to skew that back. All of that is a failed mission. 
the advertisers eventually want no part of this. They just don't want to have a part of it. The future is some version of a federated system, which exists today. Mastodon, if you've heard of Mastodon. Can I pause you for a second? When you yeah. say the advertisers don't want a part of it, what they do you They don't mean? want controversy. Any controversy. Fuck no. They don't want... Con- how, I mean, they don't want organized attacks or bans they don't or want, someone They don't boycotting. even want to be near it. Right. They don't want to be near it. It hurts. I mean, that's why you see quite the opposite. You'll see... Procter and Gamble and all these big, you know, going way out virtue signaling as much as they can. Like, oh, you know, we're all, yeah, you know, uh, Sports Illustrated is going to have, uh, for I think for the first time on the swimsuit issue, we'll have large women. I'm saying that because that's what they are. They're large women. <laughs> it's are different. You allowed to say large still? I am. There might be a time <laughs> where large becomes a problem. What are they going to do? <laughs> yeah. Where, yeah, well, to, to who's... But, and, and I'm not saying that's good or bad, but, right. but that they're being forced to do this. It's yes. not an organic thing. I didn't... You know, I'm not really a Sports Illustrated guy, but I just don't know. Was this something that the readers wanted? Maybe. I don't know. I doubt it. So, and again, it's not necessarily bad, but anything by force is Get shit. It's woke, fucked up. go broke. That's yeah. what it is. Yeah. yeah. They're, so they're going to give it a chance, and no one's going to buy that episode. That's a, but that's another thing that uh, I like about your show is you're, you're a man. You're a dude. You're not afraid of it. You're not afraid to say it. Uh, and I think it's very healthy. And uh, I'm sure you get all kinds of shit all the time from all kinds of people for all kinds of crazy reasons. But it's important that we keep some of this just alive. I get a lot of support. I mean, I well, I'm sure get you get tons some, of support. Some yeah. shit, but I get way more support than I do shit. Yeah. Okay. I'm a nice person. I just happen you to are. be a male. Mm-hmm. And I think it's okay to be a man. And this, the whole toxic masculinity thing is so fucking ridiculous. Like, no, there's bad people. Some of them are men. There's bad women, too. Mm-hmm. Like, Casey Anthony. It's a bad mm-hmm. woman. Doesn't, it's not an indictment against all women. And this idea that men and masculine behavior is somehow, somehow or another negative. No, negative people are negative. I mean, <laughs> that's what it is. Exactly. Men just and this attack on men is so stupid. It's so it's to throwing out the baby with the bathwater. That's what it is. It's just dumb. It's just and it's dumb people that are doing it and they're doing it in an articulate way and in a passionate way and they're using all their verbal skills to try to argue it in a way that they they seem to think that it's justifiable. But it's basically a tribal thing. And then what you see is you see big corporations. Who, do, who, if anything, want to be on the right side of history, right. they will never go against the mob. Of course. You, you just right. don't go. And so. And it's not even the full mob. Self-perpetuates. It's not even, it's like, no, it doesn't it matter very if 80% small. of the people are supporting you, 20% of the people not supporting you is a large number if they're active. And it's, it's, it's such a waste of time. Yeah. It is. So when are we smoking some weed? Because I'm about ready. We could do it right now. Now, I will say, beware, my Tourette's will get significantly worse. But That's that, fine. But that can be entertaining. Well, have you had that your whole life? <laughs> Since I was, I was diagnosed when I was seven. I actually didn't know about it until my dad passed uh, in uh, November. And, uh, Jimmy, where's that aluminum ashtray that was here? And my... Uh, Which one? Big the this one? one? There's a little one? No, that's not oh, aluminum. There's an aluminum one that was out here. Yeah. Oh, here. This one? Oh, there it is. Yeah. Yeah, there we go. And... Uh, And so he and my sister, you know, was talking to him and wanted to know a couple things and 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 she wrote up a little kind of like report and I was reading like, oh, fuck. Adam was diagnosed uh, at seven with mild Tourette's like they never even fucking told me. Thank you. They didn't tell you. No, I've known it because I got twitches and things. And MTV was great for me because the segments were like a minute and a half and I can control it for a minute and a half. (laughs) 
but you know, I'm always like, typically I can see out of the corner of my eyes, like not here, but okay, they got Joe on screen, so I could do all my things. All right, we're back. <laughs> what what causes it? Yeah, I don't know. No one knows. Shit firing in your brain. Does anything calm it? Uh, well, it's not. No. I mean, I'm sure there's some crazy-ass drugs, but I won't do that. Mm, um, right, of course. The, well, you seem to have a very, very mild version of it. Mm -hmm, I mean, why would you mm -hmm. fuck with your neurochemistry? For it's who I am. Yeah. So, I'm, you know, I'm 55. I don't give a shit anymore. It's, right. who, it's a part of me. I'm just saying it up front because you'd be like, what the fuck is Curry doing? That's yeah. <laughs> that's, no. why, that's why I love radio. I've always been a radio guy. You know, I can be like ticking right. away and like no one sees me you know oftentimes if i'm doing a long thing i mean i'll just be like completely screw my eyes shut wide mm. and i'll be into it and no one can see that right well there's something beautiful about audio only i mean i i really enjoy doing audio and video together on this show but there is something pure is there tobacco in this oh no 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 no, no. why do you want some with tobacco mm -mm, in it mm -mm. no that's just weed no i stopped stop yeah that's why tobacco. i pulled that one out we have blunts here, which I like. Oh, I do. I've never done a blunt. I'd do one, but right. see how this goes. I will right, give you a couple of minutes. <laughs> and I, and where's the Black Rifle coffee? I mean, I got the turmeric stuff. Do you stuff. want some? Yeah, I'd love some. The turmeric, okay. I'm just afraid my lips are going to look like, like I puked. You know, that's, that, yeah, I know. It does, but it doesn't really, really yeah. show up. It's, oh, really? Yeah, not on camera. Mm -hmm. It's a You get a little bit of a hue to your, to your lips with the turmeric. But that stuff's delicious. Turmeric is fantastic. Yeah. In the coffee with the, that Laird Hamilton superfood blend, it's mm -hmm. very, very tasty. Yeah. And no, you, it tastes good. I, I like the taste. You're doing something good for your body. It's actually good for you. Legitimately. I tell you, man, that's the best thing for my body. It is, I don't right? know the inside of a doctor's office Calms or a hospital. You. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm hanging together from THC. Texas is weird, though, right? You have no, to be medical? No, no, no. No medical, no nothing. No. It's free now? No, it's, no, no. It's illegal. Oh, everything. Mm -hmm. Even medical? Mm -hmm. God damn it. Mm -hmm. Jesus, Texas. It's not like, well, in Austin, they've actually, they haven't really decriminalized, but mm -hmm. they're like, the cops are, they'll I mean, you know, away. they really can't get away with letting people steal and rob and do crazy shit on the street. You know, it's like here in California, you can steal up to $950 and then also go busting people for weed. So they really got better things to do. So they're not really making a problem out of it, but... Um, but it's still a problem it's still illegal. if someone f wants to find a reason to arrest you. Oh, absolutely. And that's, then it becomes an issue. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. <sighs> it's just sad that Texas, which is one of the most free places in the world, you can have a fucking giraffe in your backyard and you can't smoke a joint. But it'll change. It's yeah. inevitable. It'll change. It's yeah, interesting so. because you know, growing up in the Netherlands where uh, – now, it, marijuana was never legal. It was just uh, – they called it oogluiken toegestaan. Which uh, means uh, we look the other way and it's okay. Mm. That's basically what it yeah. is. And you know, it was it was limited to coffee shops where you can sell it. That's still kind of that way. You're not actually allowed to produce it, but okay. What the Netherlands? Holland is a narco state. I mean, really? all your ecstasy comes from there. Oh yeah, the, really? everything is shipped through the Netherlands. That the explains whole, all the techno. Of course, it was d techno came with its own drug. Dutch kickboxers were famous for mm -hmm. coming out to techno music. Yeah. Like Holland, I don't know if you know, is like the, the birthplace of some of the greatest MMA. kickboxers of all time. Not really MMA. Well, I knew all, I knew some MMA guys. There's some MMA guys yeah. from Holland, but it's really famous for kickboxing. Okay, I didn't know it was kickboxing. Yeah, like, I really don't know shit about it, but I do know that a lot of guys there become very famous. Like it's the greatest of all time. Mm -hmm. There's like, it's a crazy pool of talent that came out of Holland. Yeah. Yeah, like well, Ramon <laughs> Deckers and Rob Kamen and Ernesto Hoost and P Peter Ertz. Like the names of these Dutch guys, these mm. all savage Dutch guys. And everybody was like, how Holland? Like what? what's happening over there? 
It's a, it's a very interesting country. I'm very glad I, I grew up there because um, it gave me a worldview, I think, that you know, is un, 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 incomparable. Um, so the drugs has never been a problem. You could walk into a bar at 13, look like you were 15. That's changed now. Look like you were 15, you could drink, drink you know, beers, order a beer. How old do you have to be to drink? Well, now they've changed it to 18, 21, depending on where you are. But it used to be 16. Really? Kind of, yeah, it was, it was very loose. I mean, once the EU came into play and they had to harmonize and become mm. the same as all the countries around it, which is not actually true because Portugal... Um, decriminalized everything. Yeah, they uh, they decriminalized, I think, maybe 15 years ago and, yeah. and spectacular results. Yeah. But you can't really sell it, but you can get a prescription for almost everything, including heroin. You, so they've, 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 they've changed kind of that. But, yeah, people have a really hard time with that. But hey, look, we, we're not putting a dent in heroin, folks. <laughs> it's, it's going the other way. It's mm-hmm. going, I mean, when I was a kid, I never thought we'd have a heroin uptick in this country. When I was a kid, everybody thought of heroin as the stuff that killed Jimi Hendrix and stay the fuck right. away from it. Right. And people overdose and then they die. Once you start shooting a needle, boy, you fucked up. Like, don't go that way. You could road. never even right. imagine it's putting the needle in your, in your arm. That was like not even an imaginable thing. It has thing. the worst PR representation of all time. It's killed <laughs> our, some of our greatest rock Best, stars, <laughs> yeah. right? Janis Joplin, dead. All these people. Kurt Cobain committed suicide, had a problem with heroin classically. Uh, lead singer of Alex in Chains, uh, Lane Staley, right? Heroin. So many of these guys. Sh- yeah. And the guys who kicked it, who come back from it, will tell you, Jesus Christ, I was in Satan's lap. Yeah. Like he had a grip on me. I could not get free. Yeah. And meanwhile, it's got an uptick. So what's the solution? The solution is clearly not business as usual. That's like the, de- you know, what is that expression? The definition of insanity, doing the same Say, thing over and over again. Expecting a different result. Yeah. We know now that we have a problem. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know if legalizing it is the, the only way to fix it, but to make it illegal, you're just propping up organized crime. That's all you're doing. Mm-hmm. You're not stopping people from doing it because these people, there's a giant percentage of them that are doing stuff that a pharmaceutical company made that they got illegally. Now they're selling illegally. Right. They've become drug dealers, whether it's the cartels or, or other people. Oh, well, but Joe, um, you know, we had the financial crash in 2008. Yeah. Uh, I don't think the trillions that we put in really saved us i think the drug trade in general was the only thing that kept the economy running at the time i mean this is so big the money in drugs is so astronomical it's it, you don't even you can't even fathom how big it is it's if bigger you include than a lot, a lot of, in, uh, of yeah. uh, so many industries pale in comparison i mean H- uh, hsbc was literally um, you know, laundering the money from Mexico with drug dealers just coming up on the me- Mexican side, throwing millions of dollars a day into the deposit, and it got you know pushed out the other way into the legal system. Jesus, James Comey was uh, running that at the Jesus, time. Jesus, James, <laughs> he, he was well aware. <laughs> <laughs> it's just nuts how much money is involved in it and how many people look away. You know, people are trying to stop different flavored tobacco smoke. I see you're a vapor. Well, that, that I actually looked into that very, very deeply. Yeah. This, this was the, the tobacco industry had a problem. The problem was this. I, I kicked uh, cigarettes with this because it's just, you know, you can have nicotine in it or not, but, you know, it's not a And if tobacco. you had any health consequences from using that thing? Zero. I keep hearing about people getting lung issues. And- well, okay, so a couple things happened. The lung issues, and I don't know who you know personally, but there was a... I sh- don't know anybody personally. Okay, there was a problem. scare, and the scare killed a couple of people, like 10 people. 
And what it turned out was that was people who had vaped uh, THC cartridges. And some, you know, the people who put the, you buy your THC uh, cartridge from a dispensary here, it's actually packaged by somebody else, not by that person. So you have, you know, King World or whatever, these different, you know, that's kind of a reputable brand, but it's packaged somewhere else. That means putting it, you know, putting the stuff in. And they put in some vitamin E acetate. And that just kind of like created a, a you know, heat that up and became a web of some shit inside your lung and fucked you up. So that's a mm. bad thing. But it had nothing to do with vaping nicotine with the, with the typical chemicals that you get from reputable companies. Can I ask you this? Is the, the, the vaping from marijuana with their process is more problematic than uh, vaping of tobacco? Well, it cer- certainly was in that case because, that case. because someone so changed a- the formula. Then you need, oh, need to have some, some oil in there in right. order to keep it you know, liquid and for it to you – know, just for it to be able to go into the vape and not so the be issue was actually piece. the vitamin E oil. Yes, oh. yes, and so, and so that stopped. Of course, somewhere someone did something shitty, and that happened. You but, know, a really high guy actually said this to me once. He, uh, he he told me that he uses organic MCT oil for his uh, yeah. his vapes, and he was like mm-hmm. handing me his vape. I'm like, bro, I'm not sucking on your vape. I don't even know you. You could be a crazy person. You could be you could be DMT vapes. They have DMT vapes now. Uh, that's somebody hands you a vape pen, you might be going into orbit for twenty minutes. Yeah, for twenty minutes. But what if you're driving? Oh, <laughs> you know. Well, well, I think you know. I've flown a helicopter high. On DMT? No, no, on uh, weed. Oh, that's a different yeah, animal. Yeah, though. with an yeah. instructor. You know, he wanted to see how I did it, and it was perfect. Anyway. Yeah, I play pool, which is a very sensitive thing. Like <laughs> not you're, quite you're the same as death by helicopter. It's not, but, okay. but you're controlling <laughs> the rotations of a ball. It's very delicate. <laughs> yeah. yeah, isn't that right? nice? Like, yeah, literally, yeah. the uh-huh. amount of effort you put, if you, like you, if you watch a good player, the amount of effort they put really accurately depicts how many revolutions of the cue ball. I'm sure, yeah. And after it's colliding with the object ball, and you get more sensitive to that when you're high. Yeah. Jiu-jitsu is another one. A lot of people do jiu-jitsu high. Really? Yep. Interesting. It's really, really, really common. Guys smoke out in the parking lot and then go roll. It's really common. Well, that was I, I did the most perfect landing ever when I when I uh, Probably super into it. Oh, and it's very sensitive. small input. It's a helicopter. Mm, You've seen it. It's yeah, very, very small. Yeah. Um, Anyway, so uh, the, the tobacco industry had a real issue, and that it also comes back to the states because there's this master agreement that was put in place decades ago that tobacco companies would pay a percentage of their sales to all states to uh, as a pre-compensation for whatever fucked up shit people get from smoking tobacco. And all these states wrote big bonds against that money. And so when the income from the tobacco companies was decreasing significantly because of vaping, all of a sudden the states are going, especially this one, oh, what the fuck? We have these bond, these bonds are going to you know become go bust. That's you know when you have your your state bond go bust, you know this is a real problem. It's a financial issue. States and cities and everything go broke. So everyone had an incentive to get rid of vaping and get people back on tobacco. Um, so. They Altria bought Juul, the the va- the, the, mm, vape, the vape. That's re- that, I mean, this is this is you know hardcore. This is you know got a battery. It's all technical. You get the vape juice. Juul is a prepackaged product. Kids were buying it like like. What is the candy. benefit of that over a Juul? Uh, you can control how much the draw I see is. Dudes that look like dragons. They blow yeah, these gigantic. Yeah. And you can and you can put whatever you want in it, not just limited by what Juul wants to sell you. So. We got some coffee, coffee. Oh, nice, black man. rifle coffee in the house. It comes with the uh, 
<laughs> nice. You can. The mug is yours too. Oh, thank you. you can keep that mug. I, I want one of yours though. Do you have a mug? Do you make a no agenda mug? So noagendashop.com, which we don't run. They oh. got these guys, and they just send a donation from time to time. You can get mugs and T-shirts and really? all kinds so of stuff. Really? So they just sell your shit and occasionally well, what they give do you is, money? No, no, no. Yeah. <laughs> so what they do is they, they go to the art generator. They get images off of that. Then they put it on T-shirts, mugs, hats, whatever. They sell it, give a third to the artist. Oh. They keep a third, and they eventually give us some money. Okay. But, you know, it's, we've always said, no, just do whatever you want. That's we don't beautiful. Care. We don't care. Uh, it's a... Kismet. Uh, is it Kismet? Kiretsu? I mean, that's a better word. I don't know what either one of those mean. Do you know what those mean? I don't know either. It's just sounding What does cool. it mean? It's, that's like something Larry Ellison would say. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't Kiretsu when <laughs> two companies uh, agree in like Japan to do some kind of, you know, business together without, without a contract? Or mm, kiretsu, okay. Kiretsu. Yeah. Those are nice b- contracts. Verbal ones from people you trust? Sure, sir. Yeah. It's like... Glad you, we got together to do this. Likewise. It's... Way overdue, mm. way overdue for sure. But those are uh, g- good relationships when you have a relationship with somebody where you don't have any paperwork, you just like each other. Dvorak and I, you know, we eventually we had to, you know, do an LLC because mm-hmm. the, the the IRS was going. I don't understand. You know, people send in checks, they do PayPal, you know, right. they give cash. So we have, you know, all, and they're just like, could you just make it a little simpler? Can we just cutting it down the middle because you know there's no one else involved? Yeah. Um, and but otherwise, we just had a handshake, you know, for for a decade. You know, it's like you didn't ask me to. Oh, is this my release? Yeah, that's my release. <laughs> yeah, I was like, you didn't ask me to sign a release, <laughs> oh, fucker. Uh, okay. Well, look look at this whole thing here. <laughs> we made that, but just in case, because you don't want to get sued by. Yeah, somebody. well, I you understand. can. You know, of this course, is a weird, of course, you can. weird world. Yeah, particularly. I mean, well, you got in- celebrity guests on. Yeah. You know, this, the only thing I have to be careful about is um, uh, slander, I guess. Yeah. Anyway, back to the – because you like this story. Okay. So t- so tobacco states, everyone's yeah. keyed up. They buy Juul for $18 billion. They buy it as a write-off. They want to get this company out of the market. Really? Then they go to the FDA, and they start all this shit about flavors, 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 flavors. You saw it everywhere. Yeah. It was massive. It was a perfect storm. We got 10 people dying from vaping, something completely unrelated. But vaping, e-cigarettes. He had an e-cigarette, he died. It was actually, yeah, he vaped, but he vaped a bad THC cartridge and, you know, got a severe problem. So you know how the media plays that. And it just kept on spinning, spinning. They're like, well, we have to stop the children. And the way you stop it is by taking away the flavors because children, they want flavors. That's what the problem is. So that fucked Juul over. And, and actually, Altria, who... You know, used to, they bought Philip Morris, basically, so it's the biggest tobacco company. They, start, they already wrote down half of it, like, just taking the fucking L on it. They want to get rid of it because in the wings they had their competing product, which is IQOS, I Quit Ordinary Smoking, small I, capital Q-O-S, and it heats tobacco. So it's a, it looks like a vape pen, it has, but it, it actually runs on tobacco and it doesn't burn it, it heats it up, has whatever, it, some kind of mechanism in the filter, you inhale, and it's almost their dream, which is the smokeless cigarette, very close to it. But mm. most importantly, it's not a nicotine, uh, synthetic nicotine, it is tobacco product, which is their business. Mm. And they, got, they really ratcheted this up so high that they got Trump involved. And Trump actually, with Melania, 
they, they, they did a thing with uh, Alex Azar, the Health and Human Services Secretary. He said, um, uh, well, you know, we, this vaping is very dangerous. Uh, we have a kid. Actually, you know, it was one of those moments where everyone loves to jump on Trump. He said, Melania has a kid. You know, he forgot to say it was his, whatever it was. <laughs> and uh, now he's actually been overheard saying, I wish I'd never gotten involved in that fucking thing because he figured it out. He figured out it was a huge scam. The, the, the bill has been stopped, but now they're still trying to push through uh, a bill that will help the tobacco companies even more by outlawing any type of flavored uh, e-cigarettes or juice liquid. or wh- They just want to get rid of it. So it's really like who killed the electric car. <laughs> it's exactly that. And they just go look at it now. IQOS. They're launching. There's news stories today that say, oh, my God, it's the saving grace. We have the new product we've all been waiting for. Right at the moment that vaping is going to kill you, it's uh, hooking children because of flavors. So do you think they're, they're hiring people to write news stories and the news organizations are picking you up because they're being told to they do Just this? do a press release. Just do a press release. Make, come on. It's so easy in the media to do a press release. And um, Oh, by the way, we're Altria, uh, so we're going to buy uh, $500 million worth of advertising over the next five years. Would you please run our story or, you know, you might want to look at this. Come on. It's tobacco. So do you think that they make a deal before they accept the press release to do advertising or do they wait a little bit? You, know, it's, you don't even have to say anything. Yeah. It's just the uh, – Yeah. It's, it's implied. Why do, you not hear, why do you not hear the discussion about uh, over-medication of children on television? Let's look at the number one advertiser. Right. You, if you right. start talking, it, it's just not discussed. You can't right, have because it discussion. is a controversial subject, and it would be a good subject for it's television not because it contra- would get a lot of people paying attention to it. It's not, right, well, it's, it would get a lot of ratings if you have a lot of stories about over medication of children. People would be like, "What? What is going on?" It would be something people would be interested in. Uh, right? Yeah, and yet they don't do it because the advertise. Right. L- right. I mean, yeah. just That's look weird. at look at your advertise. I have to turn off the sound these days because I'm sure. That I'm being blanketed with so many ads that eventually I'm going to get Propecia. Eventually I'm going to get high blood pressure. I'm getting, my dick's not going to work because that's what you're telling you every right. every commercial block. Yeah, everyone it's pharmaceutical until you know like cable news especially because an older demographic. Um, but even if you watch um, what is it? Uh, what do they have? Uh, where they have two and a half men running all TV land. Two and a half men, and what's the other one? Doug and Carrie. I, I don't love watch that. those. Come on, Kevin James is a uh... two and a half men. No, no, no. The no. Doug and Carrie, where he's the U- oh, UPS driver. Oh, King of Queens. King of Queens. Yes. Yeah, uh, but I don't watch. Oh man, I can, sitcoms. Anymore. I can watch that. That's a funny show. I, I can just watch it over and over Kevin's again. Kevin's a good dude. But and then very funny guy. every commercial break, boom, drugs. Yeah. What is it? Which documentary was it there that had uh, a description about the United States saying that we are one of two countries? in the world that allows advertising. Yes, I think Australia is the other. I think it's New Zealand. Okay. It's either Australia or New Zealand. Sorry, either one, because that's like a real fuck up. Yeah. (laughs) Call out the wrong one of those two. I'm pretty sure it's New Zealand. Uh But that, for whatever reason, everybody else is like, what are you, crazy? And once we got it in there, it's like, once something becomes something that everybody does. We are crazy. It's it's really difficult to fix. It's crazy that we do that. I'm going to get you a blunt. But uh, this coffee, by the way, is phenomenal. Yeah. Legit. You are legit, man. That is uh, Black Rifle Coffee. Black mm-hmm. Rifle Coffee, shout out to Isn't Evan so, and Matt. Is it the vets who, who do yes. that? Yeah. Evan Hafer and Matt Best. They, uh, That's pretty good, though. What is this? Um, I don't know what that is. It's 
Swede. My mother would roll over in her in her grave if she saw she this. Doesn't like it. Well, she's dead. Oh, but she she didn't like it. <laughs> but she would just be like, I don't. You know, you're, it's your mom, Joe. I mean, it's like you know. My mom smokes pot. Yeah, my mom was not a pot smoker. Mm. My parents were hippies. I grew up with the uh, Emily Post etiquette. You know. Oh, okay. I still, if a woman comes in, I'll stand up at the table. Oh, mm-hmm. good for you. Well, Get in Texas, a- that's. I love that. One one of the things that I really love about Austin in particular. This is kind of a hybrid of hippies and Texas people. Yeah, you know and that's I mean? how I feel. Yeah, and I like that. I like yeah. I like having guns. I like the whole idea of you know protecting my family. Yeah. Um, and being able to take out an evil government. Yeah, I like Whoa. that. Whoa. Well, that's what it's yeah. for, right? It, the I Second know. Amendment is to protect the First Amendment. That's that's my view. And just, and we got a culture. You got, we have a gun culture in Texas. So mm-hmm. and also people are really nice in the car to each other. Yeah, it's like. Go ahead, man. You right. can have a fucking gun. Everybody's got guns. Go ahead. I don't, after you, bro, it's fine. No yeah. one's re, there's no real road rage. Well, there's that expression, right? A well-armed society is a polite society. Mm-hmm. Now, it, I'm not saying that that's my rainbows and unicorn vision of the world. I'm not either. But it works. Yes, you it know, does work. It does work. There's places where people are armed that it's a really nice place to be. It doesn't mean bad things can't happen there. And when that's a bad neat. thing that's does very happen, interesting. this stuff, it's, like it, right? Yeah, I've never done a blunt. Oh, it's good, right? Mm-hmm. Charlie Murphy got me in these. So that's a pre pre made blunt. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Charlie would actually make them. So how much tobacco is in there versus? Uh, um, it's the leaf on the outside. Is it rolled on the thighs of virgins? I don't believe so. Oh, like Bill Hicks' bit. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know Bill Hicks's bit. I do know that some cohibas are supposed to be rolled on the thighs of virgins. Is that what they said? Well, it's marketing. <clears throat> Hicks had a bit about. It's um, good marketing. Yeah, I forget what it was. Rolled with Claudia Schiffer's pussy lips. I think that's what he said. <laughs> I've never been into her. I never. Well, I thought back she was in the day, she's skinny pretty fucking hot. Yeah, yeah she's really hot. definitely skinny. Yeah, but um, it's um. Wasn't she married to David Copperfield? Is she still with him, or was with him for a long time? I don't know. I try not to pay attention to who's fucking who. It seems like Jamie's well, into it. Was a though. while Jamie ago. Jamie will tell you any kind of celebrity this or that. It's going down. Yeah, I don't it was know. A long time I don't ago. know shit. She still looks hot though. I saw a picture of her. Mm-hmm. Some of them gals can keep it together. Uh, good skin. Yeah, good skin. Drinks a lot of water. Good habits, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um. So back to the vape pen thing. Yeah. So someone needs to make a documentary. That that is a crazy little sneaky move, or at least a YouTube video. <laughs> that's a very it's, it's probably better it's a multi-billion dollar scam propagated yeah. against multiple states in the united yeah. states and free choice of consumers um all to protect an industry that essentially we're trying to get away with with vaping yeah because i i've been an addicted smoker all my life um smoked cigarettes from at least 15 probably earlier um then luckily got into weed and smoked you know been smoking all my life pretty much um but I still would, you know, would roll it with tobacco, um, which does give you an extra delivery mechanism and extra kind of kind of kick. Yeah. Uh, but then I would just, from time to time, just smoke one, a cigarette. And I really, you know, it was, first of all, it's chemicals and all kinds of bullshit is in there. Stinks, stinks up the house. Uh, yeah. I want to live longer, you know. So is, is this great? No, I'm sure it isn't. You I, look very good for a person who smoked a long time. A I'm 55. Times, you yeah, look I'm, great for 55. You. you really Thank do. You. you look a lot younger than I that. I think if, if, you, if you took me and compressed me down, I'd look like you. <laughs> <laughs> it's got to be really long muscles. It's like if you push it all down, you know, it would be better. 
<laughs> yeah, but your health is like you look like a healthy person. You look like you're doing well. So I do the dancing, and mm-hmm. uh, I go to ride indoor cycling. Oh, cool. I do spin. God, that's excellent. It's oh, cardio. my God. I, and But this is more like a dance kind mm-hmm. of oriented sure. one. And music. Just, and it's just fucking loud yeah. music, and it's all in rhythm, mm-hmm. and you've kind of got yeah. a, a group vibe going on. Right. And, and cardio, of course, is fantastic. They also do weights. You know, oh, woo, cool. Three-pound weights. Woo, we There's go. something really cool about doing stuff with a group of people. You know, any kind of yeah. difficult thing. Like yeah. Everybody's pushing everybody. Come on, let's go. It's fun. And but so a lot of spin classes are really that really competitive. Like mm. bah, 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 you see the Peloton ads. Like, right. but that's not what this is. This is you do. You're standing. You're sitting. You're tapping back. You're doing uh, uh, crun- crunches. You're doing push-ups. Mm-hmm. All to the beat. So the faster the beat, of course, the, the faster you're doing it. Um, so it's it's like dancing, but then on a bike. Right. And um, I like being yelled at in, in, a, in a dark room. <laughs> right. It's like a but, boot camp vibe. And I, you know, I, so I don't have my hearing aids in. I don't have my glasses on. So I'm right. kind of like, you know, you're blurry right now. But you know, I can't see. So I can't see the hottie instructor up there. It doesn't make any difference. Right. It's just something about the vibe. So I get mm. into it. Yeah. T- tell me about the hearing aids because you took them out when you got in to oh, put the yeah. headphones on. And this, this is from listening to music too loud. No. that no. would You'd think. You'd no. think. You'd think. No. Uh, I have a genetic uh, problem that oh. I didn't know about until th- three years ago. And um, so it's not – and I you know, went to an audiologist. Well, here's what happened. I started noticing uh, – uh, Tina and I had been together for a couple of years. I started noticing I was saying – Excuse me, what? I just, I wouldn't hear stuff. Mm-hmm. Or she would say something that I couldn't remember hearing. And, um, and I brought it up to her and I said, you know, do, you, do you think I ask you to repeat something a lot? She says, no, it doesn't really bother me. And then says, but the TV is very loud. I said, really? The, the TV is very loud. I said, oh, I don't even realize that. So I went to an audiologist and lo and behold, uh, my grandmother um, uh, on my dad's side was, completely deaf almost from her teens so i have some of this uh but it's been okay only as you get older everything the levels you know to see like here's here's a level where you can hear everything and i was already kind of there so now it's just due to age just everything goes down a bit and so i'm missing 1k and one kilohertz Mm. i'm missing different different tones um and so I went to an audiologist and said, well, it's very mild, but yeah, this can make you repeat stuff and it will get worse over time. And what actually happens to a lot of men in particular is they, they become very isolated from the world. They don't even realize that they have a hearing problem. And now the difference between having them in and taking them out is massive. Um, just, you know, I, I can hear how much less it is. Another clue was that I have a, uh, for my, all my podcast radio work, I have you know, a headphone, but I put an extra amplifier on it. <laughs> you, can see, you can still hear it today. Sometimes I'm talking and it'll leak just a little bit because I have it so loud. Now, that's not going to damage my ears, but the problem with anything you put in your ears, you, don't, you can't hear the sound anymore. Mm. And I like the, our processing, our EQ. It's very important to me. So I can hear that. Without the hearing aids, but not with the hearing aids. Oh, that's interesting. So, now, so the hearing aids give you a different kind of sound? Well, so today's hearing aid is not your, your grandpa's you know, geriatric, brown, goopy-looking piece of shit that makes yeah. you look like a, just a total moron. Like, How dare you? You did the face I did the face. <laughs> hey, <laughs> I have disability here. I get, I get a victim to. card. Okay. You could get a, probably a plate. Boundaries, Special Adam. Plate. Boundaries. Yeah. Okay. So these are the um, 
Widex Evoke. These have 35 channels of compressor limiter, multiple settings. Um, it's an in-ear, so it goes right in, into my ear. Um, I still have a, a little bleed through from the outside world, but because, so usually an audiologist sticks this thing in your ears, makes you do all the tests, and then they'll sit there and they'll sit across from you and they're going to program it so that you can then hear a normal sound, uh, which is very, it's a very, it's, you have to be a trained professional. It's very hard to um, fix someone who has never heard what is proper. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, now, I'm a little different, and I'm also way into sound. And so it's a whole racket. These things are three and a half thousand dollars It's a huge racket. And the way they do it is the manufacturer, you can't buy it from the directly or from retail. You can only buy it through an audiologist. So they're already getting half the money, you know, the 1500 at least. And you have to have a, uh, an appointment. So there's all this money that goes on top. And then you come back after a couple months and they tweak it. And you come back again. So I said, look, <laughs> see who I am. I've told you what I do. Give me the fucking software. <laughs> she said, oh, no, no. I was going to give it to you. I just wanted to do one session with you. said, so you have to have this. So I have, I have pre-programmed like six different programs. So I can do one just for music. I can do one for television, uh, one for social situations. And I have one that, and I, so I did it all myself, all these 50, uh, 35 uh, different channels of compressor limiter. So when I'm walking around, what I hear on my ears is like, a radio show, like the sound, uh, like when I'm talking right now, I hear my own voice. Mm. It all resonates because I've jacked all that up. So I've made my own um, sound, reality of sound. Wow. But I also have one, I can set it to a setting in the mall, I can hear a conversation from 50 feet away. Whoa. <laughs> it was my, my, special, my eavesdropping setting. Now, the the only you... thing that, does, that doesn't work is you can't have headphones because that, that doesn't work having the, the hearing aids in with the headphones. With the sound. The yeah, because you're blasting into the microphone right. and it really doesn't work. That's crazy, though, that you could hear people having a conversation 50 feet yeah. away. Can you focus in on people? Or by turning my head? You, yeah, you, by turning you, my head. Oh, wow. <laughs> there's, I mean, there's a lot you can, you wow. can focus. You can have it automatic. So the problem is the way I've set it up. You can drop a pen there if I don't see it. I might hear it over there. Yeah. Now, that's always going to be a problem. They have, they have a, an algorithm that will try to guess where the sound is from and tell your ears that. Um, so basically, I'm not the guy you want in the battlefield. <laughs> like, <laughs> Telling you where the shots there. are being fired from. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, that's I just, hilarious. I just can't hear it. Wow. Um, but just for uh, – yeah, so it just doesn't work with headphones. That's why I take them out. It's amazing, though. They sound incredibly potent. Like, Oh, yeah. You, you remember. I mean, you know what real sound sounds yes, like. Yes. Does everything sound real to you? Or yes. is there a... Well, what you automatically do, um, uh, because I was able to do it, I, is if I'm having a... Com I have different settings for different situations. Mm -hmm. So if I'm at home, it's relatively quiet, or we have some music on, or you know, TV, or whatever... Um, now I have the Tina frequency, which is you know kind of like one kilohertz, and mm -hmm. and that's where I hear her better, and so that's uh, jacked up a little bit. Oh. And then if I hear you talk, I can hear it'll, it'll be a little. I can hear it's not exactly you; it's a little too tinny, maybe. Oh. So, but that's just me. I mean, that's not everyone's experience, of course. But to me, it's the disability has become an incredible joy <laughs> because I, I have like virtual reality on my head all yeah, the time. I was just saying that you could probably fuck with someone's voice, like a Snapchat filter. Well, you know, make you them can sound do, like a cartoon. It's really advanced. I mean, you can, um, 
connect to an iPhone, so you can you can stream wirelessly. Um, uh, you can do like uh, if you're driving with directions with the maps, yeah. then you can just be talking, and in your ear, all of a sudden, it's like hit the light, turn right. No one else hears it. There's no wires, oh. no nothing. I got you know. You wouldn't even know I had them in Jesus. unless you look. Yeah, we're becoming cyborgs. Oh no, I'm, that's although I'm against it. That is a part of. The, the the road to transhumanism. Right, but how can you say you're against it where you, you're enjoying this thing? <sighs> this to me is more, it's not a replacement, it's an enhancement. Yes. So, you know, and but that's how they're going to get us. <laughs> when the first dude get <laughs> gets his legs removed for, for artificial carbon fiber legs that you could feel but that can run oh, that'll, that'll 60 happen. miles an hour. When the first guy gets his legs removed yeah. in favor of mm -hmm. new legs, that's when we're going to go, holy shit. Whenever I tell my radio buddies about my hearing aids, they're always like, oh, that's fucking cool. It's cool. <laughs> like, Look, it's I want that too. Like, I want that. Don't get it, me wrong. I'm just looking at the bleak landscape ahead of us. By the way, beware. I just I want to say something because there's a lot of um, – they're not called hearing aids. They're called hearing amplifiers. They have some fuzzy legal language mm. that are coming on the market You know that you put all the way in your ear. The rechargeables. They've got a whole bunch of them. They're much, much cheaper. Um from an audio standpoint, I've done it for you know, 40 years. That's not the way you want to go if you seriously want to know how to, if you want to hear properly again. So mm. see an audiologist is what I'm saying. And there's lots of different, you know, it doesn't, it's not all three and a half thousand dollars. It's more expensive, but don't, I just recommend that self-testing is not a good idea. One of the best pool players in the world is a guy named Shane Van Boning. And Shane is uh, deaf. He was born deaf. Mm -hmm. And when he plays, he shuts his hearing aids off. And oh, he yeah. just it's a world of silence. Mm -hmm. And he's just playing in complete, total silence. And when he does that, when he shuts his, his hearing aid off, he feels like he's got super concentration. Like it doesn't matter what else is going on. All mm -hmm. he's doing is just focusing on the balls. And there's no that, – that sense doesn't exist. So he can he's hyper-focused on other things. And I notice that sometimes when I yeah. walk with um, noise-canceling headsets Same on. Same thing. It'll do similar. I'll smell things mm -hmm. more. Well, that's kind of well-known is that yeah. you know, different parts of your body compensate for you know, if something's, something's you're missing. You're more tuned in. Mm -hmm. You're more tuned in. Yeah. Like, look, let's pay attention here. The, the ears are offline. A mountain lion could be running behind you, and you're listening to fucking exactly. all things considered. And that's, you know, but that's <laughs> think about it. If you can't hear the mountain lion yeah. frequencies anymore, and you know, today's mountain lion is, you know, car engines, all kinds of stuff. Sure, that's, uh, you can't hear it. It's dangerous. And, it is, and you don't know. You just slip into it. I had no idea until yep. uh, you know, mm -hmm. we have a new relationship. You know, so we've been living together for a couple of years, and luckily, you know, we're completely open and, and honest. Like, hey, yeah. I, I this is, is this fucked up? Yeah, it's pretty it's fucked so up. It's so cool that that exists, though. I mean, that's an elegant solution. And for someone like you, it actually gives you a chance to tinker with shit. And I'm, sh I'm sure you really enjoy that oh aspect of it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah, you love that. <laughs> I really do. It's, I can tell it's when you small, talk about it's it. It's a small thing. Yeah. But Even it, yeah. when you talked about the apps on your phone, you're so excited about that. <laughs> Just that, that whole band, like, mm, okay. Do you use up. Unix or Linux? Are you one oh, of those yeah. dudes? Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you're deep. Oh, yeah. So ThinkPad, are you a ThinkPad guy? No, I'm not. I'm not that deep. I actually love the. <laughs> I'm deep. I, I'm not that deep. I mean, I used to be a Mac guy, and mm -hmm. then Mac started fucking up their USB interfaces, and I got tired of it. And then I went to Windows. A lot of the top DJs, you know, like the Danger Mouse, and these guys were all going Windows and for oh, yeah. audio. I'm like, oh, check it out. And you know, there's some good devices available, and so I made this transition. And then I was kind of on Windows. And I'm like, holy fuck, Microsoft is spying on everything. Windows 10, this like 
a hundred different telemetry pieces of shit going out every single day. They're just like Apple, by the way. They're they're advertising to you like, oh, use Word over here and try out this. It's just I can't stand it. I can't stand that that you know I have to have an account to use Microsoft Word. Right. I don't want it. It's just it's no one else's business. And so I, I bought the Surface Go, which is a 10-inch screen. It's a tablet, but has a clip-on keyboard. And I just load uh, Lubuntu, which is a lightweight version of uh, Ubuntu. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and I use that. Which is Linux. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's Linux. Tell those people out there that don't know shit. Uh, the only pro- let- well, the only problem is that there really is no good multi-track audio solution for Linux. It just it, please don't email me. I've been <laughs> I've been following this shit for decades. <laughs> it's not there. You don't know what you're talking about. Uh, it's just, you know, it's an issue with companies not wanting to do drivers and there being no platform. But that's too bad. So I still produce our show on Windows. Um, mm. But the rest of my life is. Is all uh, Linux and my flip phone. Is that your desktop there? It's just a Lubuntu. I just picked it. Oh, it's beautiful. I don't have. The, it's I don't. Same, but it's, it's beautiful. Yeah, that's the idea. I mean, what do you use for a word processor if you don't use Word? LibreOffice. LibreOffice. <laughs> what is LibreOffice? I just have to laugh at it. It's well, like it a Dvorak and I just we we've tried to move to Linux so many times. It always be like, hey man, I'm gonna, I'm gonna ten yeah. years ago. I'm gonna install Linux. Okay, uh, it was the I couldn't get the screen to work. You know, whatever right. shit it was. You. Because I'm not, you know, it's, we're just hacking around. And then, like, I, in the last year, I said, I'm going to try it again. And it stuck. And I'm like, it worked. It's good enough. And, and now we're like, yes, our official distro is Linux Mint 19. That's the one you all want to have. And by the way, you know, have your kid learn how to install it on some old computer. It'll teach the kid something. And so LibreOffice has just been this running joke. Because Libra means free and, mm. you know, kind of like this lovey-dovey. Because it is. It's a free as in free open open source software. Yeah, I think I know some people get attached to that Microsoft tit in terms of like Office Suite and mm-hmm. all the different things. But uh, well, it, I just know, use Word. That's really basically all right. I use. Well, and you you can save in Word format. Yeah. You know, it doesn't make any difference. And I think it's just a really better. good. You know, as as far as like a word processing for, that's all I think about. Like, what, how right. what, how, do, how well does it do the well, job? Well, for me, it's information management yeah. and uh, email. I uh, I I use Clause Mail. And you can really customize it. So I have filters and, and like cording commands. So I can, by, by doing this, then it'll, it'll send back a message like, hey, man, thanks for this. And then it'll forward a copy to the back office and save it unread in the show folder, you know, like man. that kind of stuff. If you want to get balls deep into the world of computer technology, it's a long river. There's a lot I've, of stuff I've, to know. I've been it's using, really uh, my first computer was the um, Sinclair ZX80. Sinclair ZX80, yeah. never even heard and of I it. And I built my own modem, uh, <laughs> which was, I think, basically like, I don't know, five baud, I guess. Um, to commu- and it was an wow. acoustic modem. You know, so we basically ripped open a phone, put the two pieces in boxes, and then put another handset on top. Here, Jamie's got it. That's it, man. Yeah, that's wow. it. Sinclair ZX80. Dude, and you did that at five baud. I remember when yeah. they switched from 14.4. That <laughs> was way yeah. before the, and then my dad always had computers around the house, and I was online on uh, very early in. That's early amazing. In. Look at that thing. So I was hacking with that stuff. Wow. And then you know the Trash eighty, T, you know TRS one hundred, which was a kind of a laptop on batteries, uh, Vic twenty, Commodore sixty four. 
So when this first started happening and you started getting going on Usenet and all, and you started getting a taste of the internet, like mm-hmm. my experience was AOL. I got a, I picked up an Apple home computer from one of them office stores, whatever the chain was. I don't even think they're around anymore. It was like so it was actually oh CompUSA. Oh that's yeah, what it was. Remember CompUSA, that? Of that's course, what it was. Of course. So uh, the computer superstore. Yeah, my friend Robbie used to actually make computers or sell computers for a living. So he was telling me what to get, and I got home and I somehow or another connected to AOL, and then I remember going. The first thing I did was go and try to find UFO files. That's all I was trying to find. Like, what are the government's files on UFOs? I want to read whatever the fuck you can read. I want to you know I want to know what they know. I was downloading wow. all this shit from these like crude AOL boards and like these <laughs> online searches where you could online search things and you just Archie. Yeah, you would get all the paperwork. Remember like, Archie, the search engine Archie? I don't remember you that. You had Archie one. and then you had Veronica, they would search different types of servers. Remember Gopher? Did you ever get into Gopher? Gopher, I don't remember either. That was pr- So, check this out. Jamie does. Jamie's not. So Gopher was basically the World Wide Web, only there was no web. And mm. so you could log on to a terminal and you could use a menu system, so basically with the arrow keys, but you go to the right, and you might be connecting to a different computer at a different university, i.e. a different server. And then you could have a, a so it was basically all these um, information documents linking to each other. And I started one, I registered MTV.com, which was, which, wow. and I, I went to him and said, hey, I want to, uh, I'm gonna, I do this thing on the internet, uh, where a lot of our audience is, uh, and I want to register MTV.com. Yeah, that's cool. Don't worry about it. We have the AOL keyword, so you go ahead and do your little internet thing there, son. Do whatever you want. We have the AOL keyword. It's literally what they said. We got it locked up, bro. Right. We got the internet figured so, out. So I had this go, and I'm promoting it on air. You know, go to MTV.com for my gopher server. Yeah, that, it, it was wild. You could do shit then at MTV. Yeah. And uh, in fact, I, first I got an email from the University of Michigan. Are the, the Gophers, is that their symbol? I don't know. Michigan? You, Michigan? Minnesota. Minnesota. Oof, my God. Thank you. Um, and they said, dude, you're using this commercially. You have to pay us $5,000 for a license. I'm like, just for the server software, which is open, you know, free, but they, something in the license. Said, I'm doing this just on my own. They don't give a fuck. I'm just doing this. I don't have $5,000. I really didn't. I don't have $5,000. I said, if you send me a T-shirt, I'll wear it on MTV. And I said, okay. And I somehow have a document. You can see that there's a video on YouTube of me with the gopher T-shirt on MTV. And then we're like, oh, man. That's cool. awesome. So anyway, then. That's cool on them, too. So I got this set up. And then I got an email from this guy in Cham- uh, Champaign, Urbana, Illinois. And it's like, hey, Adam, see what you're doing with MTV.com. Look, I got this thing that I've created, this mosaic browser. And uh, can you install the server, HTTPD 1.4 or whatever? And that was Mark Andreessen, the guy who went on to create uh, Netscape. Wow. And, you know, is now one of the biggest uh, VC in, uh, in Silicon Valley. And, and when I saw that, I said, oh, shit, this is like graphic, like a web page. Remember, we used to, images would take a long time to load. Oh, yeah. and first would be black and white, progressively mm-hmm. loading, yeah. and it would become color, like, oh, like a porn picture. It took an hour to download. Just like, bloop, 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 yeah, bloop. I remember the first time a friend sent me a porn video. He's like, look at this. 
I was like, what? They can send a video now? What was it? Do you remember what it was? It was a girl giving a guy a blowjob. Okay. And it only lasted like 15 seconds. Oh, of course. And that was, you know, it, and it took you yeah. two hours to download. Forever. It. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Forever to download. Remember on Usenet, you would download from 15 different things and, you, and you'd get like all these different files and you had a program that put it back together. Yeah. <laughs> That's crazy Dude. shit. What is this? Yeah, the gopher t-shirt. Oh, there you yeah. are. Yeah. <laughs> hey, everybody. Let me, no, hold on. Let me put, wow, let me put the, I want to see that. I want to put the glasses on. Hold on. I want to see that. Look at you, dude. Oh, my God. Do those Seattle days... on the musical map. Keep it here. Keep it here, everybody. <laughs> Do those days feel like, like a different human being? When you look back at that, like that's a long ass time ago, and uh, because of the time, yes, I'm and sure. What like, MTV was I'm, like back then, and just life back then. I mean, you well, don't were, you have that yourself, just with age? I mean, yeah, I for mean, sure. so of course, but yeah, it's it, it's all still a part of me. That MTV period is so definitively closed because it's just not it, that will never come back. Yeah, I mean, it it was a magical time. It was fun, and to this day. It can be in the oddest places. It's usually a guy in, in a suit and tie. Good reflexes, bro. Oh, that I have. Yeah. <laughs> I can catch things. Like people drop a, a bottle, I catch it on the way down. That's my superpower. You get Tourette's, <laughs> but you get a superpower. That's my catching it's super, stuff. It's super reflexes. Right. Sorry, go ahead. Usually a guy in a suit and tie. And all of a sudden it's like... Fucking headbangers ball, man. <laughs> <laughs> and the tie comes off and like Metallica t-shirt. You know, that's hilarious. Of, yeah. and, and I love that. And, and we share that. And you know, that's a, a shared experience that, that only only our generation has. Yeah. You know? and, and then, you know, once once BET started getting the, you know, MTV had to buy BET because they were, you know, getting uh, world premieres from Michael Jackson. Oh. So that was the whole thing there. And, then, you know, just it got commoditized. They, they were so smart to go long. They did the smartest. The people who were running at the time were very smart to go with long-form programming. They saw it with remote control. Um, and, of course, they already had seen a little bit of it with, um, uh, what's the re the first reality show they had? I forget what it's called. The Real World? Real World. Yeah. So they, you know, cause the MTV ratings during the day were 0 0.5, basically. Uh, and... I was always proud that I would sometimes break one, but I had interesting shows that you know people like to watch, like Dial MTV. That was yeah. the precursor to uh, Total Request Live, Carson Daly show. Yeah. So I did that, and you know that was just the top ten of the day. But people had the idea that they were making a difference in the uh, in the chart, which they weren't, because it was number one. Can you guess what was number one requested? Every single day. What? New Kids on the Block. <laughs> and they, it was the biggest problem uh, in MTV. Yeah, just, so sometimes they just did, oh, they didn't make it on. Gee. Or we're not playing anything under number five today. Oh, New Kids on the Block are six. Gee. Which it was, it was, uh, it was kind of bullshit. Kind of bullshit. Don't, yeah. Didn't that come up recently most, with most Justin Bieber kind of with like Twitter? Back when Twitter trending topics trending, started, yeah. yeah, like they couldn't figure out what to he do. He trended so. so hard on Twitter, <laughs> they had to stop him from being number yeah. one. They what? Had, they he probably yeah, still yeah. would be number one, but, or like Taylor Swift or Beyonce, someone would be. Up oh there yeah, all so, the yeah, time. Of course, just of course. Well, if anyone has any idea that this is fair? These these rankings and no, ratings. Fuck that. It's, it's they're weird. It's all weird because everybody's competing. Hey Joe, this yeah. is really nice. Yeah, it is. I'm having a really good time. I am too. I'm really yeah. happy you're here. Yeah. I was really excited. I, I've about always wanted this. to be part of kind of the pirate crew out here, and, like, <laughs> and now I feel like I've kind of connected. I swear to God, we didn't try to be a pirate crew. That's what's the weirdest thing about the whole thing. There was no thought about it at all. I just kept doing it. There was never a plan. 
I mean, I mean, as far as the plan is making this building, that was kind of a plan, right? Like Which is cool incredible. Place. I mean, it's just beautiful to see. I love. You got a clubhouse. You got it's a, a fun clubhouse, like an honest yeah. to god grown up dude clubhouse. Yeah, it yeah. feels good in this place. It's got good memories. It's got a good feel to it. Mm-hmm. But um, but through your show, you know, you've introduced, and you know, I I would say mainly the comedians is, mm-hmm. has been the best. Um, just, and thank God for Netflix and all this stuff that's happening. It's just this is kind of the nucleus of it all. Yeah. And 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 it's uh, it's a lot. It's interesting to be able to see and watch. And this, I think comedians change the world when when they're good at it and when they care. And I'm seeing more and more of it. And and I like it. You know, maybe time for a little bit of pushback here and there. Yeah. It's. I think what it is is we have uh, a place where comedians can go and give you like from them to you for the first time and it's never really like the most you ever had was like a moment if you're a talk show host where you can address the camera like do you remember there's a really powerful moment when um uh what's what's his name the english guy that just craig uh craig daniels craig craig ferguson (laughs) thank you sorry he's not english is he is he irish Scottish. scottish scottish sorry craig I like him a lot, but he had this moment where he was talking about Britney Spears, mm-hmm. where he like looked at the camera and he said, well, it was about her being crazy, like when she shaved her head. Mm-hmm. And they're like, what are you doing? What are we doing? Like, mm-hmm. why are we following this girl? This poor girl is losing her mind. Yeah. Like, Hounding. leave her alone. Hounding her. Leave her alone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that really is what it is. It's like once someone like that becomes a topic mm-hmm. and it's a subject that they can get clicks on and views and, and ratings, they, they'll just hound that poor girl. A comedian, a comedian got Bill Cosby in jail. Oh, that's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right, Hannibal. Yeah, it's um, talk about getting canceled. I know, right? next level canceled. Yeah, he got, and he deserved that. He man. deserved every minute of it. It's very strange, right? He's the strangest of all of them. When I was a kid, we would listen to his uh, album where he uh, he talked about God talking to Noah. The conversation between God and Noah. It's hilarious, hilarious work. It was great, great comedy. It's hard to imagine that the whole time he was doing that. Spooky. It's hard to imagine how I'm going to drive back to the airport. In a straight line, like a wizard. <laughs> like a wizard, dude. You have no problem. You can hang out here for a while, too, and serve it up. Good. Good. You could go work out. It's a gym. Turn the music <laughs> on, you can hurt. dance. It's hurt. But how about that sauna, though? I like that. Oh, you can do it in the sauna? Sure. We'll set that up. No, I'm That's good. great, man. Yeah. Do you sauna at all? No. I love it. I have. I um, used to have a place. In Amsterdam, I had a place with a sauna in the house. That was nice. It's so undeniably good for you. If you do it all, all the time. But then I, I'd be smoking weed in the sauna. Oh, don't do that. No, it was very Well, you dumb. could smoke weed and then get in there. Mm-hmm. That's not a problem. That's probably good. <laughs> it, I liked it a lot. It's a good experience. Have you done the float tank? I did that once. I did not like that at all. I, claustrophobic? No. No. I just was so... I couldn't, I couldn't get into any kind of zone or vibe. Mm. I just kept like, I'm laying here in lukewarm water. <laughs> I'm like, I'm not hearing anything. And I was like, no. Am I, th- am I liking this? It's getting a little colder. No, oh, it's getting warmer. So I, I couldn't mm. I couldn't. Well, that is it. a real issue. If it's not temperature controlled correctly and you feel cold, it'll fuck up your, your experience. Mm-hmm. You really want it in that perfect sweet zone. But when you can get there, it's really all about whether or not you know how to concentrate on breathing. 
if you can just concentrate on breathing. I've done breath work. Yeah. It was very interesting. It's not a, not a, a difficult formula that I employ, but I'll tell you guys if you listen, if you also float. When I get in there, I touch the sides to center myself so that I don't bounce against anything and distract myself because I'm floating, you know, and you drift into the wall sometimes. So I wait until the ripples die down because mm. when you climb in, there's going to be like a little bit of rippleage, right? And then when you lay down, once the water gets still, then I let my hands go. And then I just think about breathing. And I th- it's, I'm not a wizard at this, right? I, it goes in and out. I think mm-hmm. about, ah, I forgot to call that guy. Or, oh, I got to send that email. Oh, I got to I gotta book. I got to put that on my calendar. Mm-hmm. I keep forgetting. And then if I just stay vigilant and make sure I go, okay, okay, get back on the road. And the, ba- the road is thinking only of the breathing, only of the in and mm-hmm. the out. Mm-hmm. And the in and the out. I just I visualize air coming in and out of my lungs. And just that alone while lying in the tank will put me in a trance. And it takes a while. But I can do it quicker because i've done it for years Mm because it's like the tank's a normal thing i get in i'm like ah the most i always think is i should do this more often that's what i usually think Mm -hmm. but i can get in a trance by just thinking about the breathing yeah tina and i did a a a breathwork clinic i forget what it was called but you do it was like this tribal beat and you had to continue Mm. to breathe to the beat and wait and you have one person will be watching you and then you team up we didn't team up together but it was just like that and then this beat is going, and then you do the breath work, and then all of a sudden you go into a trance, and it's different for everybody. Mm. And I, I could fly, and that was my <laughs> – and for just like 30 minutes, I'm just flying. And yet right after you had to draw what you were doing. You know, I mean, it's one of these, like, yeah, I'm a, little, I'm a little hippie too. I like this stuff. It's good. So you draw it, and then I just drew it as I was flying. I was wow. just like, but like this – one of these like moves. a jetpack man kind of yeah like iron but, man but but i could just because i'm a pilot so i knew how to shoot I, yeah i was like oh fuck this is all i need wow and you know people had different experiences one woman who i was partnered with her turn and she just and they had told me that she could get a little funky and she just kind of got out of it and picked up a plastic bat next to her which i had seen <gasps> but she just starts hammering the pillow like really blah 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 Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. And it's just, you know, but fantastic. You come out of it, you're like, wow. I mean, that was just such a, a great experience. I bet that bitch does that shit at Starbucks, too. <laughs> I bet she's just wild, just looking for an excuse. She goes to the yoga class, starts punching the walls. Oh, this pose. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. Nah. Maybe. So, but, yeah, thank But holotropic uh, breathing, I think they call that. That's probably what it was. Yeah. I mean, I know that is one of them. I don't know. Maybe maybe there's other methods that they do it. But the people that do it say it gets you high as fuck. See, if we were live, then Tina would text me now. She's like, she knows all that shit. (laughs) I think Aubrey's done that shit. I think it's holotropic breathing, right? Is that the only psychedelic breathing? There is a, a, for sure, a method that people Oh, you can study. do so much with your breathing. You yeah. can do all kinds of crazy things. I mean... Have you ever done... you seen those yoga dudes who can suck their stomach in and do that... They do that little uh, yeah? Is that, thing where their I stomach goes in yeah. to the side and to the side. I don't side. find it particularly attractive. <laughs> it's, it's very impressive. <laughs> I, yeah, I'm like... I've never really understood it. Like, yeah. what are you doing? I didn't know it was an exercise. I just thought it was showing off. I don't know what the fuck they're doing. Because even though it's, it's impressive, I've never attempted it. Mm. It's one of those things where I look at it and I go, yeah, look at that. 
Like, yeah, <laughs> it's impressive, but well, uh, but to someone who can actually is do it, that, is it a thing? Is it like they, a, dude, I don't know what they're doing. Hmm. I have no idea. But oh. there was this uh, famous jujitsu guy named Hicks and Gracie, and he was famous for it. He was one of the first guys to incorporate yoga into martial arts, like really seriously. And it's the mm-hmm. greatest Gracie of all time, right? And he would lay there. There's this uh, there's this uh, video from this movie Choke where he's sitting there. Um, in a lotus position, and he's doing this crazy shit with his stomach. You can't even believe it's real. Watch this. Look at this. Watch this. This is Hickson when oh, he yeah. would do this like this intense breathing. But then, see, he would move his stomach. Or this is from the movie Choke. But watch what he can do with his stomach. Whoa! Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Look. Yeah. Okay. Look at this crazy shit where he could pull it to the left and to the right. He has like ultimate control over his breath, and that strength and control over his breath from all these breathing exercises that he did was a, a big part of like how he could fight and how he could how his jujitsu was so strong he had incredible breath control he had incredible body control when you say too. why his jujitsu was so strong what yeah. does that mean exactly he was what the most dominant of the most dominant family so in the his fighting of skills in yeah. jujitsu okay he's a legend mm-hmm. like a legit like he, there's there's very few universal legends like i should come people, during one of your like fighter talk things i, I would learn a lot yeah it's, it's interesting yeah, I, this guy's one of the most mm-hmm. interesting He's one of the most interesting because his family in Brazil was famous for creating this form of jiu-jitsu, Brazilian jiu-jitsu that mm-hmm. went on to win the ultimate fighting championship and really revolutionized martial arts, right? Mm. But he was the champion of the family and not just by a small margin, by a large universally agreed upon margin where all of them would go Hickson's the king. Like no one's even close. Everyone says that. Hmm. He would go and he would get some of the best black belts in the world, like a hundred of them in a room and he would just one after the other tap him out one after the other is he go still through. fighting is he still no, he's an older man now mm-hmm. and you know he's teaches and he uh, i know he still trains and mm-hmm. he, he's involved in these big seminars because his opinion is very very respected because of his in, an intense level of jiu-jitsu that he was able to achieve but he literally had peaked he hit past everyone he figured something out to get way above everyone mm-hmm. and I think that had a lot to do with it. I think the yoga and the mindset, the meditation, his mind was strong. And then because of the yoga, his body was really flexible and really like well-conditioned. He can contort in these amazing ways to achieve submissions. And then also his jujitsu was so sharp. Like his family created it and like everything was polished. Everyone knew everything that the, the, the correct defense, the correct offense, where you never make mistakes, can't be in this position. Always be here. Abandon that and go to this. You have Plan B, C, D, and you keep going with them. True master. He's running like running these trains of techniques on people. It's special to watch. Anyone else like him? There's a bunch of guys now. Mm-hmm. There's a bunch of fucking assassins now. Mm-hmm. But in his day, he was just. There's no one person that stands out above like everyone. This is kid Gordon Ryan, who's this really elite submission artist who taps everybody in competition, and he's trained. What, by I'm sorry, what guy. does submission artist mean? Well, there's uh, jujitsu with a gi, right? With which is just uh, you know jujitsu rules. They vary depending upon the organization, but you wear the gi, and mm-hmm. you can use the gi. You can the, choke people. The gi, with the is, gi. is your dress. Yeah. Your, yes, mm-hmm. the white, the mm-hmm. white kimono yeah. or the blue one. People have multiple. The guy from ones. the commercial says, "No, this is my business gi." Yeah. Yes. <laughs> right. 
Um, but even a jacket, you know, like you're using clothes, right? Okay. The idea is like if you got in a fight like, with like someone judo. who's... Yes, mm-hmm. exactly. Mm-hmm. It, it actually comes from part of judo called niwaza, which okay. is the ground I did fighting. a little judo as a okay. kid. Very, Perfect. Very little. Jiu-jitsu came out of judo. Mm-hmm. Judo was the original in Japanese jiu-jitsu, and then it became Brazilian jiu-jitsu when the Brazilians le- legitimately changed it and altered it. And then there's submission grappling. Submission grappling, there's no gi. So most of the time, guys wear like rash guards, like skin tight, like surfer rash guards, those kind of yeah, things. Yeah, okay. Or, you know, or, or skin tight uh, shorts can't or pants. Really, can't really hold on to it. Exactly. There ideas you can't and you can't grab clothes mm-hmm. it's just about it's like wrestling mm-hmm. but it's wrestling with chokes and arm bars and okay. in that world there's a guy named gordon ryan who's a real prodigy and his uh his trainer is considered to be one of the all-time great trainers his name is john donaher and they come from henzo gracie's academy in new york city which is one of the greatest jujitsu schools like universally recognized ever and it's this giant gym in manhattan that is just so many killers have come out of this one place so that kid is probably the top of the food chain today out of everybody. But even his dominance is probably slightly different from Hickson's. Because Hickson, well, was, he, there was no losses. There was no draws. There was like, it was just dominating just, people. Mm-hmm. Just everyone got dominated. And everybody came out of it going, what the fuck? He just ran through everybody. Well, well how did it end for him? What was his last? Hickson? Did he have he a, a, bi- a big exit? No, he, well, he had a giant fight mm-hmm. against this very dangerous guy in and Japan in 2000. And that was an MMA fight. And, and he, he beat, beat his him. ass. And so yeah. that's a nice exit. That's nice. Yeah, he won out on top. That's nobody nice. ever, nobody ever beat him in a mixed martial arts fight. He really didn't fight a, a lot of the. There was a, a lot of opportunities for different people that he could have fought, but he just didn't want to. Didn't feel like it. He's just a free spirit. But um, my point, I don't know what the fuck my point well, was. Well, here's a question: the stomach thing. Do you That's th- what it was? Do you it think it's breathing? A, That's where it was. Do you think it's a gene, or is it the environment that I have absolutely no interest? in fighting of any kind i don't watch it i'm not i saw the thrill in manila my dad got me up in the middle of the night oh, we were living wow. overseas to see it and I, I thought i appreciated that as a as a world event yeah um it's just never i've what is it i'm is some people like i just don't i don't understand it i don't like it i, don't, I think it's cool that you don't understand it I Under- think, understand it is probably the, it, there's yeah. nothing in me that says oh yeah I want to see the guy beat the other guy's ass yeah that's that should be f- perfect you know in in a perfect world everybody should be like that <laughs> <laughs> okay well like legitimately I respect it I like where you're coming from I, I, I just I never just, got, I, I'm fascinated I'm very interested as I said I did a little judo um, that was mainly because I was getting picked on at school my dad said here. Yeah, going to judo, and so I learned how to you know fall and how to dive over like five kids and then roll and then get up again. And after that, I got kind of a little. I didn't like it, you know, like just I don't know. I didn't like. It. And then went fencing. I was actually very good at fencing. I like that a lot. Martial arts for competition is a it's a strange pursuit, and professionally for competition, it's an even stranger pursuit. Like originally, the martial artist gets into martial arts because they want to better themselves. They want to be better at fighting. They want to have confidence. Mm-hmm. They want to be able to defend themselves. Like any themselves. competitive. Well, just like you want guns to be able to defend yourself. There's a lot of people that want to learn how to physically defend themselves against another man. Right, right, right. I've always said this, like if people say like, why do you do it? Why do you work out? And what, I mean, first health and sanity Mm -hmm. first. Oh, but second, very important. I want to be the one who decides if if we're in an altercation and you decide you're some bully and you run up on me and you think you're just going to hit me. Mm -hmm. 
I want to be the one who decides who goes to the hospital, not you. I don't I, want I your think mercy. I, I think I grew up so sheltered. I never was really ever threatened, really, it's just in ev- any it's way. Every day, all around the world, it happens to somebody. And yeah. if you're lucky, you live your whole life by going into the right places and never get punched and never, never gets st- just stole on, where somebody just comes up to you and just starts smacking you around no. and you can't defend yourself. Because it fucking happens. Yeah. People do it to people, and yeah. people are awful. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, and you, but yeah. and it's, most people are not. The vast majority are not. But, you know, you do that shit to the wrong guy, like, and you, don't, you didn't know better, and you, you did that to Boss Rutten, who was a former UFC heavyweight champion. He's one of the nicest guys ever. You might get confused and think, like, God, you don't know maybe who he is. Maybe you, you think you're going to bully him. Maybe you think you're going to fuck with him, make him uncomfortable. And next thing you know, you're waking up in the hospital. I think, I'm, as I'm just reflecting here, I have a childhood memory, which may be where this started for me. Uh, I remember, and I went, I entered Dutch school in fifth grade, speaking almost no Dutch. It was kind of a fucked up situation. Whoa. Um, so, but say around sixth grade, and I, you know, I was learning a little bit on the street and around, but I definitely was not, not really 100% fluent. And I can't remember what it was. It was in the, it was in the gym in the locker room, and some kid something said something, and he was much smaller than I was. And I said something like, "Well, I can take care of you, little man." And it probably I shouldn't have said it in the first place, <laughs> but within like a nanosecond, and I'm like, you know, he's put me down. You know, hit me in the on the nose, oh, and yeah. and I'm like, oh fuck me, I and that I think that was the moment where I'm like, I should definitely be careful what I say and to who I say it, and I should watch my mouth. Um, but maybe that skewed me from right that from that moment. Oh, for sure, that's it. Yeah, for sure, that's and that was it. Young, yeah. So I was like, oh, how yeah. old are you? Twelve, something like that. Oh man, for sure. Yeah. That that's gonna leave a stain in yeah. your consciousness. Oh, thank you for bringing this up. No, listen, this man. This is like, like therapy here. I, this is great. Right. I mean, I think everybody needs to know why <laughs> things bother them, why things like conflict bother them. Does this, has, I don't know, as I'm old, you're 50? 52. Really? Yeah. So almost, we're same age. Basically. Um, do you have more of those moments now that you think, oh, shit, that's, that's what happened then, and that's why I'm having those. What do you mean? What? Where just... You're doing something and you think back to a moment like I just had here. Mm-hmm. Hey, that happened. Maybe that just influenced me now today, how I respond oh, to certain yeah. situations. Yeah. I'm having more of those. and My wife yeah. is having that too. That's smart. I like it pain. a lot. It's, yeah. it's very interesting. I think, oh, God, if I only known this mm-hmm. 20 years ago. Yeah, the origin of your behavior is an interesting thing. The mm-hmm. origin of your ideas yeah. and where you are now. You know, um, it's a... You know, we're, just the way we choose to behave about things is very strange. But anybody doing something like that to you when you're that age mm-hmm. must have been an insanely traumatic experience. You wouldn't want to watch. A I didn't even tell my parents about it. I didn't tell my parents about it. Yeah, I was so ashamed. Yeah, yeah, that's hard. Yeah, the, the the solution to that, as strange as it sounds, is everybody know how to fight. And right, you get into way less fights. If it ever, sounds that, crazy. It's right on. I think there it should you go. be it's, taught. It's, I think it should be taught just for peace. Whereas we seem to be going kind of the opposite yeah. direction um, with yeah. uh, with a general um, cultural education of young men, at least yes. in, in the United States. I don't know it's, if it's the same everywhere. I think it, it may be kind of propagating out there. Some of the nicest people I know are martial arts people. Oh, of course. Because they have their ego in a good place in comparison yeah. to the general population. Mm-hmm. 
They've been humbled in training. Everybody gets humbled in training. It's so good for you. It really is. And it leaves you calm. Like you get exercise in and you get some sort of weird therapy too for a, when you're a man. And just knowing that you aren't, you, you aren't helpless. I've seen people that are helpless. It's very sad. I think it comes from anything you learn, um, like learning how to fly. You know, yeah. You're literally helpless if you're doing it wrong. And an instructor, a good instructor, will you know, help you get into situations that you have to get out of. Mm -hmm. And that same feeling arrives. I think that that's a part of just the learning process. Yeah. Um, I should probably try it. You'd love it. Yeah. What should I try? What would the... Uh, well, let's Tina, Tina's laughing we'll her ass talk. off like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We'll here he goes. We'll talk after this and I'll find a, a okay. good spot where you could go and learn. and just You would get a kick out of just the learning, just like you get a kick out of learning the I, dancing. Yeah, exactly. Especially like if you take something like Muay Thai. Muay Thai That's is really a, fun. I saw... Thai I, I, was in, I did a documentary in Thailand. Oh, did you really? Yeah, that was really cool. Did you really see Fights cool. Live? Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's wild, right? I love the, the rhythm of the music and the yes. tum-tum. You know, it's all cute clued yeah. into how they do their shit. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I went up to the Burmese border, the, the Golden Triangle, stayed with the Hill Tribe. Whoa. I've done a lot of crazy stuff, documentaries. What, you, what, what is that? Doc? How can someone watch that? It's called Veronica Goes, and Veronica was the, the organization uh, that I worked for in the Netherlands, the broadcast company. Um, is it available online? Can someone find it? You can it? probably find bits of it on YouTube. Veronica Goes Asia, and so it was Thailand. I mean, wow. we did a number of things. We went into... Uh, brothel, you know, where the girls have all the numbers and we film there. Um, I, oh man, I remember going to the long necks, you know, where they have all the rings on. Mm -hmm. And I was thinking, oh, this is going to be great. We're going to see the long necks four and a half hours. And the first you get from Chiang Mai to Chiang Rai up in the north. Then a four and a half hour, five hour bus drive. Because we still had crews, right? So we're 10 people with producers and everything. And it's you know, like, it's got to be around here. And, when, and there's like a big sign, almost a neon, long necks this way. I'm like, <laughs> fucking tourist trap. It really is. You know, but then we went up to the Hill Tribe. Uh, I'm sure that they've done it before, you know, had crews over. But it's only women because all the men are in the opium hut and just completely stoned, smoking opium. The women run the whole deal. And, uh, and they, they chew the betel nut root with the, with the white paste in it, some kind of cocoa mm. paste and so of course for the documentary i tried that you know I'm, and their mouths are all red your teeth get completely red from the beetle nut oh my god and i, I was like oh shit and it's like like an elevator you know dmt can be a little bit of an elevator vibe she's so like guys i'm fucking hammered you know spit out all the rest of it and it, it stayed with me for a good 45 minutes what's the sensation like um a bit DMT, but very very light version of it. You know, so it's a psychedelic. I guess so. I just, just you felt this like you know, it felt kind of clear. You know, like oh, this is kind of interesting. But all right, I'm pretty high. Just I don't know. I haven't done a lot of different drugs, so I'm not quite sure. But uh, it was interesting. But uh, I don't like the red teeth. It's kind of awkward socially. Yeah, yeah. it's a turn off. <laughs> People know you're a. What is it? What's the name of the thing? The beetle root nut. Beetle root nut think, and cocoa paste. Or Call someone probably a coke and, and and some red stuff. Yeah, what <laughs> who is the hell knows what it is? Beetle nut root. What's what's in that jazz, Jamie? Can we find you, out? You got to see the women. Though. You got you got to see their somewhere. you got to see their uh, their red. What of me? Uh, I think so. It's uh, then, Veronica goes America, Asia, and Caribbean. It's like eleven minute clip on, <clears throat> on YouTube. Oh yeah, it's got you somewhere. eating the the beetles. Nah, so then we also had, had to drink cobra blood. You know Whoa. all this stuff. Yeah, it's kind of sad because first they piss the cobra off, and they then they get the venom. Uh, and this is in the restaurant. 
They get the venom out of his, uh, his sacks, and then they slit him open and bleed it into a glass of alcohol. And Jesus. it's supposed to be very potent. It's spo- Is that me? No. That's not you, but that's... No, uh, but that's uh, his, this guy's the, got the teeth right, of right, someone who eats that. Right. He looks very happy. Yeah. So, look at that guy at the far right. No, anyway, look at that one. Who the hell knows? That's a lady. Look at her tripping balls, happy as fuck. Anyway, but we also <laughs> shot a lot of Muay Thai. Oh, <clears throat> so we went to like these, you know, the, the small like village uh, fights. And just you know, kind of this makeshift ring in the middle of the jungle, and all these people, and then the music, and just. Like, that would be something that would be magical, good for you to learn. Magical. You you would enjoy it, I think. A lot of twisty and kicky stuff. Yeah, mm-hmm. twisty and kicky yeah, stuff that will complement. Like yeah. you know how to dance and move your legs around. Oh, I'm an yeah. excellent dancer. I bet you are. <laughs> I heard you, I've heard you took lessons. <laughs> It'd be a fun thing it, to learn. It was actually my wedding video. We so we got married in May, and um, you know these days everyone has an iPhone, so there's just video everywhere. And I look at myself dancing. I'm like, oh my god. <laughs> This has to stop. <laughs> this video has to be eliminated. I am actually that guy. I'm so bad. And so I said, let's, let's at least learn to dance some proper dances together because then I can keep my posture up, my frame. Right. And then it just became, hey, this is kind of fun. We yeah. enjoy doing this with each other. Yeah. Like yeah. some people go golfing. You know, maybe we'll go dancing. It's a, look, if you watch like old Fred Astaire movies, real dancing mm. is very impressive. Oh my God. It's I, weird I love that it. That I went love away. it. Like, yeah. Here's a strange thing. Like, okay, how did that get associated with homosexuality? Broadway. And I, I love Broadway musicals. Right. And I think that's, that's where that it became you because know, associated. Because a lot of gay guys are yeah. in Broadway and they did the musical. Yeah. But if exactly. you think about the, those Fred Astaire type days, mm-hmm. like then Manly men were doing that. Man yeah, that was a really manly who, man thing. Gentlemen who could strut and they, they danced around. Remember what I told like, you. Look at this. It's the, and of course, we always say Fred Astaire was great, but Ginger Rogers did everything backwards in heels. So Right. <laughs> True, right? Don't underestimate. Well, actually, the, he's wearing heels too. Yeah, dance heels. I think they're tap heels. Yeah. Her heels are bullshit, though. But women, you're right. That, at least that, women back then didn't was, have stilettos. That was you know, the days of the yet. crooners, you know, Sinatra and the Rat Pack. And, hey, Must be such and a pain And when we called call women broads and dames, yeah. you know, hey. Some chicks still like yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> the, who's the asshole that made women wear those fucking shoes? You know, like who's the first person that figured out stilettos and well, high heels? You well, you know why you know why in? why they're worn. I mean, the initial yes. idea is to because of the angle and the pressure, your calves pump up, and that is deemed as more sexually attractive. In fact, I think it's pretty proven to work that on mm. uh, on men's uh, attraction to women. Red lips, lipstick is also part of the blush you have after orgasm, blush on your cheeks. All that stuff is yeah. sexual, and it's just exploited by a huge industry. Yeah, for sure. It's just weird they talk the chicks into it. <laughs> the heel thing, especially. Like, imagine if men were all. I love like, it. If it went mean, the other don't way. Don't you love it? Don't you think it looks I fantastic? I think it looks fantastic. Yeah. I do. But imagine if it went the other way. And if men were the ones who somehow or another by our culture were tricked into wearing stilettos, and the higher the heel, like the, the cooler well, but, you looked, the cuter but, but, you looked at the club. We have entire um, swaths of men tricked into putting a, a noose around their neck every single morning with all kinds of weird shit. At least that kind of looks cool. It's a noose. It is a noose. It's a noose. Listen, you're coming from uh, someone who said, said I wouldn't wear one because I know mm-hmm. if I got a hold of someone's tie, I could choke him to death with it. Exactly. Yeah. Especially if it's like a sticky tie. If and it's if, it's a, if, it's a, if it's a Windsor knot, it's best. Some have leather ties. <laughs> that shit's preposterous. <coughs> what kind of tie? A leather tie. 
Like that's uh, what pops. You have a strap, or you yeah. literally have a strap, a murder around your weapon, neck. the murder yeah, weapon. You have a is right belt there. around your neck, yeah. and but, it's also uncomfortable. Yeah, but it does look cool. Something but, about it makes it look like you're, yeah, that's you're all, serious. Men get pushed into all kinds of things in commercialism, but that's if, cool. If you, but if you listen to someone who really cherishes a good suit, talk about it, mm. then you kind of get it. They're in love. Yes. Yeah. 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 It's nice. Yeah. Some things. Some people are really into suits. They look at it like <laughs> an like an art form. Well, yeah. I mean, there's guy an- Ritchie. He had a whole thing. Is he-, he was telling me about it. He came in with a, with a beautiful suit on. Mm-hmm. And I was like, look at that fucking suit, man. I told him about the tie thing, and he just like shook his head. He's a black belt in jiu-jitsu, too, though. Okay. He didn't. He's so he, he also like makes no sense to do that. Yeah, he's not, mm-hmm. Well, it does make sense, but you know, he's like, you're not grabbing my tie. Right. <laughs> <laughs> nope, not going to happen. Yeah. He's actually a black belt from Henzo Gracie. Mm. That guy we were talking about earlier. Yeah, but Guy Ritchie loves suits. But the way he talks about it, like, you love suits, too. You're like, ah, I get it. Like, the way someone talks about, like, a really well-made, handmade shoe that you got from some Italian cobbler. And you're like, oh, I I get it. Right. You're wearing, like, a piece of art. Like, this is someone's art. Mm -hmm. Like, yes, it is a a boot, right? Right. But it is also, when you see that thing, it reminds you of Italy. It reminds you of a guy who actually makes this. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like, there's something fucking cool about that. Yeah. That we're definitely getting away from in this, like, like someone who can make a watch, like if someone makes a watch, like they're taking all these things and putting wheels in there, and or you could just get like a fucking G-Shock. I've had this someone watch had this longer than my daughter's been alive, thirty years. It's amazing. And I and I have I've tried other watches, but I just it's a, it's a piece of me now. Is it a Rolex? Yeah. It's beautiful. Yeah. I bought it back in the old MTV music business days. If you were a douchebag, then you had a diamond bezel around it. Ooh. And now this is actually very popular amongst rich women. <laughs> <laughs> like, like a thick watch. I go to you know, floss harder. My former New York banker friend, I go to his dinner party and it's like, oh man, there's like three women here wearing my watch. It's like, <laughs> Still looks great. I love Don't it. It's such a classic, but it's, the gold just kind of melts into me now and it's a part of me. And it's a reminder of a, a, a different time. Yeah. When, it, when this shit mattered, now I really don't care. But it's beautiful. Thank it's you. a cool thing to have. It's mm-hmm. got a lot of sentimentality, right? Yeah. The, if you go back to the origin of wristwatches, it's amazing how long they've been around. And pocket watches. These motherfuckers figured out how to do that shit hundreds of years ago. They figured out, when did they figure out a pocket watch? Like, what was the year? Because that was the first one. You get it on a chain, you pull it up, and mm-hmm. I guess you had to wind it. Mm-hmm. But the fact that it worked... Like, they put a bunch of fucking gears together in this thing that you carried around everywhere, and it kept time. Mm-hmm. When both my grandparents uh, died, they died very close to each other. Is 16th that, century. Is that, holy shit. Is that a Hamilton? 1510. I can't even In see Nuremberg, that. Germany. Yeah. Well, it wasn't... Um, there you go. It's a Peter, Hel- Peter Henlein. Henlein? Henlein. H-E-N-L-E-I-N. And uh, he created the first pocket watch in 1510. According to Wikipedia, the Italian, Italians <laughs> were producing clocks small enough to be worn on the person by the earliest 16th century. It'd be weird wearing like a necklace clock, like Flava Flav. <laughs> yeah, I guess it'd yeah, be exactly. just like Flava Flav. Exactly, yeah. Do you believe that guy is 60 years old and he's still wearing the clock around his neck? He wants like, <laughs> wants you to know what time it is. He's very serious. <laughs> I remember about that. those guys back in MTV, and <laughs> they'd be on. The, they were nuts. They're in the street jumping yeah. around, Flava Flav, just just doing his thing with the clock. It's like, wow, man, that's still your gig. Yeah. Like you were talking about Mark uh, Wahlberg the other day, and you know I used to tour with him. 
I had a syndicated radio show, and the stations would put it on um, if I came and did their summer jam or, you know. Summer jam. B-59 yeah. all summer long out of MTV's Adam Curry. And then they had uh, uh, Marky Mark and the Funky Bunch, Sisters with Voices. Um, it's, sometimes UB40, it would be cool if they were there. So every weekend I'd go off to some bad top 40 radio station around the country. <laughs> and that was what Greg Lawley put together, my, my buddy in, uh, in Austin. He, he, uh, he and I did that. And he was promoting all the artists. And so... Marky Mark and the Funky Bunch. It was, you know, he was just like you said, like a Calvin Klein underwear model, cool guy, you know, nice. He, did, he seemed to be calm, you know, didn't cause a ruckus on the road or anything. And we stayed at some pretty shitty places. Um, and all of a sudden, he's like Mr. Hollywood and doing well at it. I like it. And never stopped. No. Like he started doing well in like when the 80s? Yeah, it's right? like it's like um, Will Smith. I mean, we invented we, himself too. We did a, Sega Genesis in, um, launch parties together. Yeah, he's another one, <laughs> and he was doing parents just don't understand. Yeah, <laughs> I know, right? It was great. Yeah, f- amazing. That's him. There How old go. was he then? It's uh, like, like a kid. 20. Sixteen? No, uh, wasn't he? Yeah, eighteen. Maybe it was seventeen. I'm just. Anyway, he's moral. been around forever. Yeah, and still doing. I mean, the fact that he was able to reinvent himself too is a, a major movie star too. Yeah. Amazing. Fantastic. Good stories. Yeah. When you remember the birth of the internet, when you remember first getting on in it and, mm-hmm. and seeing the expansion, was there ever a moment, when was the moment, I should say, well, obviously now today we all realize it's out of, out of control and it's mm-hmm. just wild. It's, it's a very strange thing that's taking over our lives. And then w- w- I want to talk about Neuralink too. Mm-hmm. I'm sure you know something about that, about Elon Musk's invention, Neuralink. Mm, I know a little bit about it. But when you we when you saw it kind of getting away, like when was the moment or where you were like, "This is a very strange thing that's never happened to people before." Well, I I, I had the online part figured out because I ran a bulletin board. You might remember those. You could call in, and there were maybe like five lines, and you go in and do your business, and then get what out. Year was, and, what year was that? Oh, this has got to be uh, early eighties. No, maybe even late 70s. So there's time for innovation there, right? There's big, long stretches yeah. where things don't get any better. Well, the speeds got marginally better. People got more phone lines. Yeah. The, the computers you know, were able to do more. They then there were also some better. other things happening. We had um, Windows. Windows 95 came into play. So now people were, you know, were in a different world of computing. It used to be DOS, uh, and people have you know, WordPerfect, and, and then all of a sudden – you know, we have a, uh, an interface on top of it. You know, we didn't have that. So that started to teach people how to deal with the environment. Um, so that was all there, but the internet itself would be 1987, and I logged in. To get on the internet, you had to log in to a dial-up account, launch a PPP session or SLIP, and then you had to launch the software on your computer, and then you could open a terminal, and you could type things like Telnet, and then a, uh, a domain name, or even an IP address. You could connect to someone else's thing and kind of look around. It was just all text-based. But that, for me, was like, holy shit. You can connect from one to the next. I understood the hyperlinking. I understood how powerful that would be. And if I just had a little computer today on my desk, I had a Mac Plus with a gigantic external 20 megabyte SCSI hard drive, <laughs> 20 megabytes. That's I mean, that's, crazy. that's an empty Word doc. Yeah. You know, so that big thing like that. Um, I just literally was like, oh my God, this is, this is 
this is going to be it. So the second moment um, was the, the Andreessen with his HTTPD Mosaic browser, the web. And then the third moment was Carl Jacob. Um, I think he's an investor, maybe even on the board at Facebook, but uh, he worked at Sun Microsystems at the time. And uh, he contacted me. He said, okay, may I see what you're doing? I'm going to send you a computer. And he sent me a, a Sun Voyager, which is like a portable, a luggable with an LCD color screen. And this is, you know, now 80, 88, something like that. Um, it was Unix, which was even crazier. And uh, so he started to show me stuff, and he actually streamed a song from his workstation in San Francisco to my computer in uh, Montclair, New Jersey, and it played. I had him on the phone here. I heard him start it, and then it came through and it played on my on my computer. That I'd, I'd never seen this before or heard it. I was like, oh, fuck, broadcast. We can use this to broadcast. And since that moment, I think that's the mission I've been on. And look at, I, Mama, I have arrived. <laughs> here we are. That's an amazing story, man. That's, that's cool as fuck. I love hearing it from someone who was there from the very first steps. And you're. We used to have the yellow pages, the internet yellow pages, which was a book. I still have it. It was published. I remember that. It was published. I you, remember. You can that. look up everything in the yellow pages. <laughs> that was a business. That's hilarious. <laughs> that was a business. But the yellow pages got fucked, right? Of course. That shit fell apart. Well, that here's, business. Here's, here's what happened with newspapers. Here's where the newspapers fucked up with the news when the internet came around. And there were. I saw it. Other people saw it. Craig Newmark saw it. Uh, and it's classified because they were all hoity-toity about their advertising model, but people, they were really making the money off the classified ads. Everybody knows it. Everybody knew it. And that's what Craigslist, who, who tried to sell it to Tribune, was it Tribune or Hearst? Maybe it was Hearst, for just a couple million bucks. And it's like, no, we're not interested. We don't need it. Not invented here, whatever. And so he ate up their, their, their classified business overnight. And they were left holding the bag saying, well, we have cool news to advertise on. Well, no, no, no. I mean, we'll put some in there. But now it was about the classifieds. That's where oh, the money came from. Wow. Dvorak can tell the story. Of, I'll ask, I'll ask him to do sense. it on the show. He can tell the story about Craig Newmark and how they passed on it. And he's, he, he does that very well. The classified ads, do they even have them? Still? No. The newspapers are gone? <laughs> Obits. Dead people is still a good business. Yeah. Of course they have some, but No. Not really. How often do you hold a physical newspaper in your hand and read it? Whenever, I, whenever I'm at the airport, I always buy the newspapers. Yeah. Because I don't want to be on my phone. Right, so right, I, Let me just right. read the newspaper. Yeah. Yeah. Do you use Android? Uh, no. I, iPhone? I have a, a stripped down, uh, I call it cloaked, uh, no SIM card, VPN, uh, pie hole. <laughs> There's a lot of different parts on it. Uh, that I do carry. It's iPhone 7 uh, if I need to, but there's no, no other apps on it, no extra apps, wow. just, just blanket. Yeah. So you that, keep that, that in case of emergency? Yeah, if I need to do something. Yeah. If you need to do something. Like, I want to use the GPS. Right. And also has um, an iCloud account that's not, you know, it's not my main iCloud account. So right. that's, I'm trying to make that Adam Curry mm-hmm. and remove my other digital footprint. <laughs> I get it. Yeah. Try to move it over a little bit so, or something, at least confuse it a bit. Wow. Whatever happened to wasn't there a, a blockchain phone that was going to be released? There's a number of um of interesting projects um that are Linux based. Um 
I'm trying to think of the one that's on the. You know, a lot of it's crowdfunded. This company actually, they make uh, laptops that are complete. They all, all open source hardware. Shit, Jamie, can you find what was the name of that company? It's. Uh, oh, I feel stupid now. Um, it's the weed. <laughs> <laughs> it definitely anyway, is the weed. So they, but they crowdfund, but they've had very successful crowdfunding with Linux laptops with open source hardware. Because that's that's really where you have to look for the problems. Because. You know, advertising, it's an insatiable thing that these companies are hooked on. And so they, and the, the data, they have to keep getting data from us. That's the system. So, you know, when we start to cut it down, they move to the hardware, they move to different, different types of ways of getting data. And, you know, right now, I mean, you still can't hide from cell phone triangulation. You know, there's all kinds of ways people can find you. That's really the biggest problem. If you can track someone's location, you can build their life. Add a credit card to that. Um. Mimi, John C. Dvorak's wife, she does uh, the company's taxes, a very family business. <laughs> and uh, she uh, kind of, I think she used to do some kind of auditing in the past. And she'll call up and say, oh, here's what I always see you do. And she'll tell me exactly uh, what I do, where I go, um, when I like to eat out. She has all these patterns. So, and she just does it for fun. Do you have GPS on your car? Uh, yeah. You can't get rid of it. I mean, you, you, there's no... They, no uh, Manufacturer after probably 2015 allows you to completely turn off tracking. Well, you got an iPhone 7. Once you get like a 69 Corvette, <laughs> but, but that's get the, something old. 69. That's yeah. the point. I mean, everything is everything is built in now, and it's, yeah. I mean, I think that didn't really start until like the 2000s, right? Well, they, they sold started. it to us in a great way with yeah. on call. You know, like boom, I'm upside down. On call, help is on the way. What is yeah. this, Jamie? I typed in. Oh, Librem. Uh, there you go, Libram. Thank yeah. you. What, what, did, what did you type in? Crowdfunded Linux laptop. Fantastic. Yeah, Librem. Purism. Purism. Company. They make yeah. a bunch of products. Yeah. Do you mean Purism. laptop or phone? They make both. So they oh. make the laptops, the phone, they're coming. But there's other projects as well. It looks like a real phone. But here's, here's my problem. Here's my problem. What? It's still going to bleep and bloop. Right. I don't want it. Right. It's going to you find know? you. I'll, I'll buy it. Of course, I want to have it because I have control over keeping it off and not using it mm -hmm. when I'm on the road. But as a basic thing, if I'm at home and I just want to surf, uh, I'm sitting down. Yeah, I'd rather use that. Absolutely. Apple, I kind of trust Apple to a degree. You know, they, they're pretty good about not selling stuff they know. So their maps is, would, would be what I use. I trust that. Yeah. But, but only as far as I can throw them, you know. I mean, I'm sure there's a million guys going, Curry, you have no idea how they try. Yeah, I do. So, you, but I just try to make less data. What do you think happened with Google that re they removed don't be evil? <laughs> I think it was do no evil. Do no evil. That's right. People get that wrong. Um, I get which, everything which wrong. Is, which is evil. No, I mean, it's one of those things that it's like a um, Mandela effect. Okay, right. Uh, like the Bernstein Bears? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it's like Mandela effect. Um, but for whatever reason, well, that's a... they. Okay, so these guys who grew up, you know, under the... Don't be evil. Mm-hmm. I thought it was don't do evil, but that was in, it was in the S1 document, and I remember reading okay. it, and I th but, okay, I could be wrong. So it is either way. Doesn't matter. Maybe they, yeah. cha maybe they changed that halfway and went yeah. from don't be evil to don't, don't, don't do, do evil, evil to don't be evil. Don't be evil. Either. They adjusted it from do the right thing. Or, no, it was. Well, that's what it says now, I guess. Oh, sorry. oh, either way. Yeah. Anyway. Whatever the, the wording So these guys didn't grow up by accident. This is going to be my big Google conspiracy theory. Dun, 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 dun. Just, I'll give it to you. It's one way of explaining it. Maybe I'm full of shit. Okay. 
Um, I love a good they conspiracy. Had, they had a lot of help in advance. I'm rooting on good. this conspiracy. Their main, their main boost was the acquisition of Keyhole, and this was a. Um, you have to know the the company Incutel, which is a, uh, a venture capital company, which is the CIA's. It's not a secret. It's the CIA's. They would say our CIA venture capital company, and they invest in stuff. And they helped the Keyhole acquisition. And Keyhole is the mapping. That's really what Google Maps was. The most important thing you can have as a, for a person's identity is where they are. Um, these guys kind of grew up young under oppression of Russia. That's where they both come from. And uh, they kind of came into the system. If you look at the universities and the people involved and how they were almost given some kind of prizes for things they did. I mean, there's an alternative story to the general narrative of how Google came to be. Um, so I think there was a lot of intelligence um, uh, people involved in this, involved in setting it up. And the psychology of Larry and Sergey, uh, some psychologists have analyzed, and I've listened to a lot of different people, is that they kind of um, become what their oppressor was to them. Ooh. And it's not really, I don't think they're bad guys, but this is psych psychosis that happens if you grow up in some kind of stressed out situation. You know, people who have been abused often abuse others. Right. Um, and so I think that's what's going on. It, the problem is, I love all the technology. I love what all these companies and everybody's doing. The business model is just fucking humanity. It yeah. is. It's fucking us. By giving away data and yeah. by influencing people not letting us of that data. Not letting us share in, in the revenue of the data. Right. Uh, or having some control over it. And Do that's really that what it is. Do you think that there should be some sort of legislation that recognizes what data is and that they look at it in terms of like, like it's a commodity and saying like selling and buying and selling? And well, I think there is, uh, there is some of that. But, but is there some that really evenly balances it or, or, or looks at it for what it really is? Like, well, what is data? I mean, what is money? Yeah. Money is data. Money, yeah. money is right. not, what you, is not what money anymore. Providing? It's all data. You're providing a service. It's all data. It's all yeah. data. Yeah, it is all data. You have to have, it has to be a trust relationship. And it's, it, mm. if their business model is what, at it, as it is now, if they don't change it, no legislation will stop them from getting around the problem. But now it's you get free shit and we get your data. You get a free browser. Here's the interesting we, we thing. We get your data. Here's the interesting thing. <laughs> the internet is, although no longer quite the same way with up, upstream and downstream being equal due to you know, the cable companies and how they've implemented your personal connection, we can still do our own servers. You know, it doesn't all have to be on YouTube, on Facebook, on Twitter. There's an I was talking earlier about Mastodon. Noagendasocial.com is our own social network. It's with open source software without algorithms. And you, we federate with all these other servers, much the way the World Wide Web grew up. And, um, and there's this uh, mechanism for communicating with each other. And so it's kind of Twitter meets email, only it's, it's just – it looks like Twitter. Just, but you control a lot more of how it works. And your community can be a small little community, and you can have no one come in. You can block people or just say, I only want these cool people to also connect or that server to connect. It's all good. So you have all these kind of – almost like an Ancestry.com tree that branches to all these different yeah. places called the Federation. Um, if we build upon those kinds of things and don't let other companies uh, or companies at all, there's no reason for them to get involved. It's very cheap. 
with a, believe it or not, a Linux laptop. You can get started. Any kid can learn how to do it. They should be teaching it at school how to set up a server, how to get around some of the hurdles, understand how an email server works. And we will not need these companies. We can have all the joy and a lot of the downside, but there won't be a Twitter police. There'll be only your own little community. Say, hey, we don't like this guy. We're just going to block you. Or, or your whole community, or we would love to have you guys with us, and we can happen to us similarly. And that's how you build these networks, and eventually you connect to each other on the back end somehow anyway. How often do you think, I mean, how long do you think it's going to be before we're implementing augmented reality into our life in that way, in like a social media context? Because um, you kind of got augmented reality already with your ears. Yeah, so it would be unfair of me to say that um, it, it's... Hmm. It's augmented in that it's enhancing, but it's yes. not. Uh, I have enhanced it in ways that are particular to me, but it's not uh, some algorithm really determining things that I should hear. I, mean, I am in total control of, of how that works and how it sounds. Um, I don't see the the case for augmented reality. I just don't see it. I mean, when you think the, about I, what the Apple's trying to do with their glasses, well, I, I think it's trying to get people from doing this to doing this. I mean, yes, th- it probably that, is. That's it's, probably that's all that it is. That's all that it is. But it's also probably adding to the experience, right? If you can have like little animated fairies everywhere you go that you see through your Apple glasses, everything else looks the same. Do you ever go to the haunted uh, mansion ride at Disneyland? Yes. And you look, you know, there's a ghost sitting right next to you. If I see you with one of those glasses on, I'm going to go learn. <laughs> Some fucking Muay Thai. I'm gonna kick you on your fucking head. <laughs> Boom! Like Dalsam. Wow. But what if it makes life so much crisper and brighter? You put these glasses Maybe. on, and it syncs up to the little chip that you have in the middle wow. of your brain. It gives you this pleasure feeling, and you all of a sudden everywhere's flowers, man. You walk through flowers. I'm always, I'm always looking for the conditioning. You know, that's getting us ready for these moments. <laughs> and so I think a beautiful moment is this coronavirus where the testing is someone holding a gun-like sensor to your head. Whoa. I mean, that's preparing people for the, for the barcode or the chip. You know, it's like, oh, yeah, click. Let me just, like a pet. Like, How hey, are they boop, testing? Boop. Do you have to go to a hospital? Yeah, the test uh, takes a couple of days. They, I think they have a test that will go down a couple hours, but they swab um, deep in your throat or deep in your nose. Like, it sounds kind of mm. annoying. This whole um, thing is very, very spooky. Uh, well, it seems con- to happen every 100 years. Look, Joe. We're conditioned? We're conditioned through horror movies for this. I mean, my favorite part of this script as it unravels uh, was the Pope sneezing and coughing. Like, oh, oh my God, the, the Pope. Pope. He's in Italy. He has coronavirus. World War Z. It, and like, if the Pope dies, this will freak out the world. And so I'm, we talked about it on the show. We're waiting like, oh, my God. And today they announced... The Pope is fine. He does, he's been tested. He does not have coronavirus, mm. so thank God. I think this is, um, sadly, we're reacting in all the wrong ways. This is completely illogical what's going on. It's very illogical. And this is, there's, uh, it's the death rate and the amount of people who are infected that is misunderstood. And so people are just throwing numbers everywhere. And, and meanwhile, I mean, even the New England Journal of Medicine uh, which includes Dr. Fauci, who's on the on the on the team, and who's been around in this business for a long time through the Obama administration, Bush administration. Yeah, he's been around. Um, Says, look, this is probably going to be no worse than a severe seasonal flu. Um, now we know that seasonal flus can kill quite a lot of people. You know, it could be twenty, thirty thousand. Um, so in those aspects, it's kind of the same, uh, but it's being presented in in a sensationalistic way that we're completely programmed 
to respond to. Remember, we already have enlarged amygdalas because of all the triggering and wokeness going on. So give us a little, <laughs> it's true, Joe, give us a little bit of fear with this thing that we're conditioned through all kinds of horror movies and Netflix just had the pandemic movie on oh, just a couple months ago. So we're, we're primed. We're primed to be suckered into something. And part of it may be uh, the Patriot Act, which is never, whatever's going on with the pandemic, there's always something going on in the background. Do you think whenever there's something going on with the pandemic, then they use it as an opportunity to sneak stuff in, in yeah, the background? Yeah, so I'm looking for the uh, uh, pandemic uh, appropriate the spending bill. Someone was trying to talk to me about that with natural disasters or any kind oh, of it, a, it always attack. Mm -hmm. and that there's automatically an understanding that people are willing to do things they wouldn't normally be willing to do. So this is when you move in with new legislation. It's, it's the amendment. It it's the, so you have a bill, and the bill will be financing for coronavirus, mm -hmm. whatever that means. The right. president wanted two and a half million, two million, or I think like a million and a half was already kind of there. And you stuff a bunch of shit in that bill. Well, exactly. Yeah. And it's like a piece of the Patriot Act may actually get passed in that. Because it, it's right. kind of like a, you cannot vote against this shit. Because right. how can you vote against of pandemic course. saver? How can you vote against Patriot? You, the Patriot Act. Right. Well, this well, there are a lot, there are a lot of people in Congress right now trying to break the Patriot Act apart because yeah. this is the spying bill where the, the government can just spy on you. And we've been talking about some of that. It's not cool. Yeah, <laughs> this all really was implemented right after the September 11th attack. It was already written. Yeah, it was, was good to go. Binney from the CIA. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Guy said, look, they they were ready to spy on people long yeah. before then. They totally were ready. It up. Mm -hmm. They, they, those motherfuckers. The crazy they. Adam, I hate yeah. to end this, but it's 310. Oh, shit. We've literally um, done this for three hours. It feels so good. It was awesome, man. <laughs> it was uh, better than I expected. Uh -oh. I expected it to be awesome, and it was even more awesome. I really enjoyed it. We well, got to do it more often. I'd love to, and thank you so much My for, pleasure. for having me on. It was Thanks for really fucking creating this thing, man. You know, <sighs> wow. you were a big part of it. You know, your your ideas of, of broadcasting, uh, the, the, for sure, part of the seeds that led to the you know to me, me doing this so thank you thank you very much you're more than welcome but thank you and thank you know everyone who really is around your show and all the comedians it's uh it, i can die a happy man pretty much not planning yet but. stay alive man <laughs> we love you all right. all right thanks bye everybody oh, that was awesome, man. wow that was a long chat